if you're not moving, you're standing still. This year, I've spent the most time in my life exploring the wilderness. I focused mainly on exploring the northern Cascades, and I did a trip around Mount St. Helens. As I continue with my adventures, I'm learning more about how I like to spend my time. It sounds trivial, but this process is giving my life a sense of growing meaning through mastery of skills, developing a closer relationship to my ego, my body, and my rational mind, while bringing me closer to other people pursuing the same things in their own ways. On episode 102 of the Becoming Human podcast, I speak with Kevin Butts. Kevin exemplifies my experience through his adventures, climbing up and snowboarding down the snow-capped volcanoes of the Pacific Northwest. In late spring, he hikes hours to touch the sky atop a melting snowy peak so he can snowboard just a little more. Without any further ado, here's Kevin Butts. If you'd like to check him out on Instagram or Facebook, I'll be sure to leave all the links to his profiles in the show notes. Enjoy. All right, everybody. This is my pal, Kevin. Kevin, you you climb mountains here in the North Cascades. Man, you got some epic photos on Instagram. And you. I saw that you climbed most of the volcanoes in Washington. Is that correct? Yeah, I've done all five a couple times, if not more on some of them. So. Wow. How did you get into... Uh, what is it that you do exactly um for work or mountain climbing for mountain climbing like, is it just considered mountaineering um yeah it's just basic mountaineering so mm-hmm. and then kind of incorporated snowboarding into it so now i i try to split board mountaineer or ski mountaineer whatever you'd call that i guess so what so if you could just like take me through it what what's it like from beginning to end are you just hiking to the base of a mountain finding like the uh to the point to where you need to pull out the split board um yeah it just depends on the mountain and the the season and what time of year and what route mm-hmm. but but right now it's a lot of walk, trail rocking and then sometimes you get to split board up and it's it's a uh, a lot more earning your turns right yeah. now than compared to winter time where everything you just start out from the car on mm-hmm. your split board and you don't have to carry and what experience do you do you value most of it is it just being able to get some turns or um, i think it's that and then just snowboarding like what most people probably won't snowboard in their lives and just the the views you get too while snowboarding what's the difference between um experience boarding in the alpine environment compared to a resort um the resorts you could that's where you like go to work on your skills and it's just really it's a really really busy place you're you're waiting in lift lines more than you're sm- snowboarding almost mm-hmm. and um there's no sense of I, I mean there is but there's no real sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. as to split boarding you're you're earning, you know, every turn, every step is another turn made. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, you get to the summit or wherever you're trying to get and writing untouched stuff. Whereas the resorts, everything's usually, usually choppy and mm-hmm. whatnot. And 
what's what does a quality experience look like for descending a mountain on your board um quality experience um any anything in general if i could <laughs> ride down on the snowboard it's a good time no matter what the conditions yeah what's what's challenging what are the challenging aspects about it or the skill um of descending a mountain on a board um the split board mountaineering stuff it's it's pretty variable mm-hmm. so for example i did uh, a snowboard off rainier summit about a month ago oh. and off the summit it went from ice that i probably shouldn't have been riding on to to kind of you know powder and then what's that feeling like when you realize that you shouldn't be riding on this ice um, is it like you can't stop you, or turn yeah it was it was literally you can't couldn't even barely hold an edge wow and so we're like full-on survival skiing down the first like thousand feet but it's better than walking down i mean yeah. there, there's a point where you kind of say oh maybe we should walk down this but mm-hmm. you just kind of try to find that you know that decision making time yeah is what are the risks um if you make have poor decision making in that scenario um <laughs> you know uncontrollable slide and a crevasse or mm-hmm something like that so. yeah a lot of it um comes down to risk management right yeah because that's yeah. what i understand with like whether it's uh rock climbing or, right. or mountaineering you know or, or um like split boarding and my friend john skurlock yeah with, yeah that with, guy's awesome he yeah. is he's so cool <laughs> like being a pilot and all those things seem like inherently risky and even um ben verde he does like the squirrel suit in the area yeah yep. and like all of it comes down to human error, yep, which is definitely. like just the determination that you make in the moment. Right. You know? Yeah. And I love, there's something about it that I love, that I love where I can make that determination. Right. Like yeah. some choices, it just can seem insignificant and even monotonous and, yep. um, in day-to-day life. But in those scenarios, it's like, Oh, it's on. Right. And, and yep. it's all up to me. And I love having that sense of responsibility, you know? Yeah. That's kind of how it is with, uh, like resort riding versus riding in the back country, the mm-hmm. resort riding, you could, you know, tomahawk yourself down the mountain and if you get hurt then you know, the ski patrol can, <laughs> you know, rescue you and back country or, you're conservative about everything because you, you don't want to get hurt because that yeah. means, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere, or, you know, 10,000 feet up and you don't want a, a big search and rescue mission. So that's like the last thing you want. Whereas oh, wow, to yeah. the resort, you know, me and my friends, we get hurt all the time and <laughs> it's no, no biggie. So. Yeah. It's, you see that in climbing too, right? It's like multi-pitch alpine. I mean, if I climb, a 510 and probably be more at a 5758 range you know right yeah sticking it down do you um so so when you come down off the mountain and you have to deal with like crevasses or yeah i guess openings what would you call it crevasses yeah yeah. crevasses or axe all that kind of gnarly stuff up there and so do you have like prior knowledge of where they are are you just looking as you're going so at least some of the most of the stuff I've done, it's you climb up the route you're going to go down. So mm-hmm. on the way up, you're kind of just making like mental notes or I'm always taking pictures. So if mm-hmm. we come to a spot where we don't know, I just kind of look back on the photos. But it's mainly, you know, descend the, the climbing route typically. 
So is there a pretty obvious trail? Um, um, depending on the route, I suppose. Yeah. Depending on the route. So like Rainier, um, up the popular route, it's called the Freer finger. Um, there were probably 10 other climbers on the, the, the route oh, wow. and it's not, it's not wanted or anything yeah. like what's wanted. What was that? What's wanted? Um, just means, you know, marked with flags oh, to okay. pretty much dial in, you know, the perfect route, like the, the disappointment cleaver route on Rainier, mm-hmm. which the, all the guides, you know, run up everyone up and down that. Yeah. But that's pretty obvious the, at that point. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's a highway pretty <laughs> much. But, uh, yeah, the finger route, it's unmarked and it's just you and the other skiers pretty much. Mm-hmm. So at that point there's a, a relative boot pack. Mm-hmm. But, do you like that scenario when it's unmarked? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot more, uh, how do I say it? You're, you're out there on yourself, mm-hmm. your, your own. Unlike the DC route where you have, you know, I don't know, maybe a hundred other people on it on a busy weekend. Mm-hmm. So you really like that, that aspect of like self-reliance. Yeah. yeah. Have you always known that you enjoyed that or was there like a moment where you realized that? Um, let's see. I think I realized I enjoyed like the self-reliance when I started doing stuff like solo mm-hmm. cuz then you're, you know, you're all on your own yeah. and there's no one else there for you and you kind of just you're in a different almost state of mind, I guess. Mm-hmm. Were you nervous when you went on your first solo trip or your first big solo trip? Um a little bit. My first solo climb was Mount St. Helens. Big, you know, bigger climb. I went on, you know, solo hikes and stuff previously before that. But my first solo, you know, big mountain climb was just Mount St. Helens. And it, it's, you know, pretty easy mountain. And Is it? it's nothing too crazy. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, I was out there by myself for the first time. And it's just a, a different feeling. What's the longest trip that you've done where you're by yourself? I did Glacier Peak uh, about two or three weeks ago, solo. How long was that? It was, it kind of varies on everyone's GPS, but it's like 32 to 36 miles round trip. So it's a good distance for me. Usually everything I do is like all the other volcanoes are like 10 to 12 miles. Straight up, straight down. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Glacier Peak was you know 32 miles say and uh did that completely solo and uh how many days uh it was like a day and a half day and a half so pretty much you know climbed up to where everyone camps camped out summited and then booked all the way from the summit back down to the car oh, that must have been such a fun descent yeah right? it was a long day i had i had my snowboard though so mm-hmm. i got you know maybe two or three miles of snowboarding yeah two or three miles of you know pure pure excitement and enjoyment but uh i'm beginning to understand at least in my in my own situation but 32 miles for two to three miles of turns yeah (laughs) explain this math uh going into it i wasn't uh exactly too stoked on doing you know snowboarding off the summit of glacier peak because mm-hmm. it was you know early summer so mo- most of the snows melted away and so 
going into it i was kind of dreading it but once i got on the trail going off i was you know getting into a zone kind of and just enjoying it as it came but uh what motivated you to for the summit attempt um i snowboard off the summit uh the other four volcanoes so adams helens rainier and baker so glacier peak was last but definitely not least to do so wow is it um, known for its uh, snowboarding and skiing? Or uh, like- not really, just because it's it's the most remote volcano in Washington. Wow, so. That's cool. What, from what area? Uh, I guess this is more local, but what area did you do you use to access Glacier Peak? Is it like the Darrington on the west uh, side? Or? Yeah, yeah. It's the what is it? The North Fork Sock mm-hmm. Trailhead. Oh wow! And so. Can you do it in a winter approach too? That'd be a long. Um, I think they close the road in the winter time. Oh, I see. But I think early spring it melts out, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more snow travel, which I'll probably do it again next year. The, on the, that. the top of the mountain, do you know? Do they have? Is there like the vent holes? That the the fumaroles? Yeah. Steam vents. Um, on Glacier Peak, I didn't see any. So didn't oh. smell any sulfur or anything like yeah, you that smell either. Sulfur when you get to the top of these volcanoes? Yeah, you smell it, you know, quite frequently. So on Baker, there's a huge crater, and that's constantly spewing out sulfur. So really? is it like like you can visibly see you the visibly crater? See it? Snow yeah. on top because now the snow melts off just from the the heat. It's kind of kind of neat to see. That's cool. Can you like stand on it? Uh no, it's <laughs> probably suffocate or oh, whatever from the, the toxic fumes. That's wild. So, so, yeah, Baker, there's a big crater, and you smell sulfur on that from time to time. And then Rainier, the whole the whole crater rim is actually steaming, and all the <laughs> snow is melted away, even at 14,000 feet. Wow. So... Same same thing with you know Mount Hood. It's there's a couple big funerals there, and mm-hmm. it just smells like rotten egg the whole time, <laughs> which isn't too enjoyable. Yeah, oh. yeah, makes you hustle through those parts. Yeah, so wow. How how much time would you say at least for the volcanoes would you spend at the summit? Um, it depends. So I've spent you know maybe five minutes on some just mm-hmm. because it's cold and windy and your water and food is you know frozen solid so Mm -hmm. those times you're getting up there and taking a couple photos and booking out of there but on mount hood i've taken like naps on the summit of that and oh really yeah i've uh when i did uh i climbed the cooper spur route so that's like the northeast face it's one of the it's a little bit harder route than the the standard what south side it, route. What makes it harder? It's just it's pretty exposed, mm-hmm. so you're climbing above like a two or three thousand foot fall line. Really? So, yeah, no, it's pretty mentally challenging. Wow, and it's so it's just it's really steep snow. Um, yeah, it's it's maybe up to like forty five, maybe fifty degrees. Wow. But, and so you got so you have crampons and an ice axe. Got crampons and yeah, two ice axes, which mm-hmm. they call ice tools because they're you know designed for the the steeper steeper snow and mm-hmm. designed for ice climbing. Oh, also. so instead of them being straight, they're the ones that are like really they're, curved. Yeah, they're a curved shaft for better placement and they have 
you know, gnarlier shape picks and mm-hmm. they're designed for that steep stuff. Oh, wow. And so, so in that scenario, are you just like kicking the, the front fronds of your uh, crampons into the snow and then... Yeah. So I was front pointing most of the way and two tools in at all times just to keep your placement steady what are your chances of falling is it like the 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 snow would give way or is it that you make a technical error yeah so um the conditions kind of varied a bunch when i climbed it it started out as perfect snow (laughs) so i was like really enjoying it and everything felt super solid and then i hit a a good like i don't know 500 foot section of just like really sugary snow oh so sugary snow on like a 40 degree angle it's like climbing up you know sand you're oh wow you don't have any solid (laughs) placement at all and you're you're on edge the whole time so i'd be nerve-wracking but at at that point i I wanted to bail but Mm -hmm. it's almost easier to go up than down at that point is it really yeah oh wow just the way it works i guess but how do you manage that situation um you just pretty much you know double check like every foot placement and axe placement and (laughs) really trusting your uh your tools and your decision making also oh wow so you, const- you, constantly wanting to turn back constantly wanting to you know keep keep going up though sounds so. like my experience climbing just yeah. track climbing yep. in general <laughs> <laughs> i love that because like i don't know in those scenarios it's that risk management right yeah, and that definitely. self-reliance and trying to you know just bear that that burden and right. it's yeah. exciting in that yep. in that sense um were you solo or were you with the team yeah so i was actually solo also which is you know you're totally on your own there's <laughs> not you know your good buddy there saying oh let's turn around so <laughs> yeah. you kind of have you know all the decision making instead of like half if you have a partner mm-hmm. so what happens in that scenario if you were to take a fall like how do you so, secure yourself so that's one of the routes. It, I think it's the most deadly route on hood, actually. Oh wow! Unfortunately, but uh, it's you fall, you don't have a high chance of surviving. Just just due to the the nature and the you know the fall line of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's wild. What brought you to that route? Is it? Um, it's just uh, if you're driving through, you know, Hood River or anywhere on the north side of Hood, it's just like a, a visually appear, appealing face just because it starts out mellow and then it constantly just cr- curves Ooh. upward, you know. I'm starting to understand that with climbing because, like, I'll, be, I'll look at, like, a, a crack line. And yeah. You're like, oh, oh, I could climb that. Or, yeah, I want to do that. Pretty, like, yeah. oh, it'd be so much fun. And um, just the aesthetics alone, it, yeah. it's it's awesome. Yep. And so, is Mount Hood a volcano too? Yeah. Yep. Oh wow! And does it have active uh, vents on the top? Um, it has some like five to eight hundred feet below the summit. There's a big area they call it the Hot Rocks because the rocks are you know hot and steaming actually oh. and then there's called an area called the devil's kitchen mm-hmm. and those are just two two big fumaroles pretty much wow probably you know they're probably 100 200 feet in diameter in the summertime when you could see them mm-hmm. 
So pretty cool. pretty neat to see. That's really Just cool. Two big pimples on the mountain, pretty much. <laughs> so, and I heard um, I haven't spent really any time over in Rainier, but mm-hmm. I heard that the like plant life, the vegetation is a little different there because of the soil composition. Do you on notice a, that on a hood or Rainier? Um, on Rainier. Rainier, they, yeah. Um, you know, this time of year through fall, the the wildflowers there are pretty pretty crazy. Oh wow! So pretty vibrant there mm-hmm. so what got you into um mountaineering and uh split boarding so i i uh i've never i didn't start snowboarding till three years ago maybe and i i didn't oh. even go on my first hike till like it was like two years ago I wait think. what yeah wow, so i'm cool. i'm still super new to all this stuff mm-hmm. unlike uh Mark Nelson, who's yeah. you know lifelong mountaineer and hiker, you just jumped into it though. I, You're yeah, all no, in. I've, I've dived into it head on. So, but yeah, so three years ago, uh, I was at like a New Year's Eve party or whatever, and we were you know all drinking, and my buddy's like, "Hey, let's go snowboarding tomorrow," and yeah, I was a little drunk or whatever and i said sure why not i've never done that before like let's do it so the next day we go up to snoqualmie pass and i'm in like jeans and a flannel and it's <laughs> you know snowing out and i have uh cheap goggles on dirt bike goggles and oh yeah so we i like rent boots and a snowboard and People are kind of just looking at me weird because I'm in <laughs> jeans and a flannel and uh, go up the lift and get to the top and instantly just bit it right off the lift because I've never done it before. Yeah. That whole day I was just like making it five feet and crashing and the end of the day I could, you know, barely walk because I'm all bruised up and super sore, super sore. Yeah. So that was my first day of snowboarding and that's comforting after that i said i would never go again but really? the next the next week and i found myself wanting to go actually because I, I don't know it's just something i wanted to get get the hang of so that's what, like my experience with uh um, backpacking yeah, yeah backpacking snowboarding and climbing because like snowboarding it was i'm cold and miserable right. i'm sore <laughs> and then i find myself well maybe i can make it a little better right. backpacking it was the same thing i had like my solo trip and that was the first time backpacking i went out by myself but like i basically came back ravaged yeah. I, like, <laughs> almost like every other hour i was considering coming home right. and then something like i came home like never again right. one day passes two day passes yep. i'm like I really like to go back out that there again. Flips, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how it was with snowboarding. I was like, damn, I want to like get the hang of it because I don't know, just kind of something you just want to get back to. So I went back the next weekend and I can make it like, you know, a hundred feet before falling. And then after that day, I was super sore again, but I had snow gear this time. So I wasn't wet at all, surprisingly. But the third weekend went back and I could like make it down the whole mountain without falling. And after that, it kind of just took off. I found myself going, you know, both days on the weekend and during the weeknights because they have night skiing there. So, oh, wow. I was, you committed. I was fully committed after like the third time. Is that was that very much like your behavior um, before then? Like, were you like that in other things? or? Um, yeah, I used to 
you know, race BMX bikes. Oh, and, you did? I, yeah. My dad used to have his own BMX team. We used to travel really? all across the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, tight, man. I, I raced BMX from, I think I was 10 to maybe 17. Wow. I, I've raced, you know, here and there recently, but not, you know, fully committed to it. Yeah. But, but yeah, BMX racing, my parents took me one time to uh, River Valley in Sumner, Washington, mm-hmm. and moseyed around there and got like second place uh my first race and Dang. I, I, don't know, I was pretty motivated by that so mm-hmm. yeah so it's, when, it's once you get that small amount of like success yeah right? it, it, you're hooked yeah. yeah so i was instantly hooked on that and i've always you know rode bikes and always been able to do wheelies and all that <laughs> before that so so this was awesome i was just like racing around and jumping around and oh, yeah. having fun so, you know, I slowly, you know, became 100% committed to that where I became a, an expert racer and I was racing at state races and oh, nationals. Bad. and You go down to Reno? Yeah, I used yeah. to go to Reno and Redmond and all over the place. Oh, so, that's rad, man. Yeah, that, that became a, a weekend thing to go into the track, you know, every night after school and mm-hmm. gate practice and racing three days on the weekends it gives you such a sense of like outside of you know your day-to-day stuff like a sense of meaning and yeah. like structure to your life yep. right yeah it's yeah i i love that mm-hmm. like oh. like sitting in school that was like literally all i was thinking about was <laughs> riding and racing my bike yeah like I, I would ride my bike to school every day just just because it's something i loved and but yeah it's definitely a motive motivational thing to uh to look forward to mm-hmm. yeah, it's like i had the experience when i was younger and when i lived in california um all the way up until i was 10 and it was like all bmx and at least from what i remember anyways around that time um that would like i'd look forward to it that was like my weekends that was right, like yeah. in my we had our team we had like 15 team members mm-hmm. they'd all come out with us we'd like drive like kind of like a caravan and then right. we'd meet up <laughs> yeah. and it, it was awesome it was like a sense of community yeah and then when i moved like probably other things contributed to it but like i i just felt like so so lost right mm-hmm. and then i do a bunch of like drugs overdose make right. all these like just wild choices <laughs> yep. and then i like find myself what uh, 14 years later after that right mm-hmm. and now i'm like two and a half years into to having these pursuits and it's back to the same thing it's giving right. me structure yep. and meaning to my life and community and it's like wow i can't believe i went off on you know made those choices i don't right. i would never <laughs> trade this life for that life at all and yeah. it, it's fascinating um the importance right mm-hmm. that that having something like that is yeah you know so that's that's how bmx was it you know kept me out of trouble through high school middle school high school and then it uh you know sense of community getting to know all the other racers and making friends and my parents are you know meeting people and they're making friends there it's a pretty good family environment typically Mm -hmm. at the tracks so yeah you can bond with people really well definitely yep (laughs) what made you quit bmx um so i i won state one once and then after that i was like that was like the big goal for me is to win like state one so Mm -hmm. i was number one in my age group and 
after that, I kind of just like literally lost all motivation mm-hmm. and, you know, had very some time to time here and kind of phased out once I got my license because mm, yeah. I, I got a, my dad got me a, a 1985 Toyota 4x4 pickup Ooh. and at first, you know, he, he got me it when I was like 15. At first I had no interest in it whatsoever, mm-hmm. like, cause I was still, you know, super into racing and slowly you know i i helped him with his work during the summertime and saved up money and the the truck needed a new motor in it mm-hmm. so i was like okay by 16 i want to be driving this truck so saved up enough to buy a, a parts truck uh, pulled the motor out of that pulled the motor out of uh my truck and uh my dad and one of our friends helped swap it in and I got it driving by my 16th birthday. Oh wow! So that that kind of got me into the the gearhead side of things because mm-hmm. before I was never really into cars or anything like that. Yeah, that's like a pretty big endeavor because y- you were you helped out a lot with swapping the motor and everything, yeah, right? Yep. Wow. But yeah, my dad he's a, a crazy you know motorhead. That's what oh, he really eat sleeps and breathes. Yeah. <laughs> So I always grew up. He's always had like Mustangs and Camaros, and oh, that's cool. He's always had you know multiple of those, and he's always you know rebuilding motors and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Which I wish I would have you know, I wish I would have tagged along and helped work on that stuff mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Was that like always like an option for you? Or? Yeah, it was always yeah. an option. I'd always you know watch him and whatnot, but I was never you know committed to helping him or anything. Mm-hmm. Which I wish I was. I would have learned a lot yeah. of stuff. Wow. And do you, so you do you still actively like build stuff or work on um, mechanical things? Um. So yeah. Once I got my license and uh, got that Toyota up and running, I slowly phased out of the the BMX racing and you know pointed my mind to the Toyotas. So mm-hmm. eventually took that uh, off roading wheeling mudding whatever you'd yeah. like to call it and after that first time i was i was hooked on that like just you know driving through mud and over <laughs> rocks and through trees and so that was uh that was like the next phase of my life oh I, wow i got i got super into wheeling and i ended up taking a pristine condition truck and mm-hmm. uh within like six months to a year that truck was pretty beat up (laughs) doors are bashed in (laughs) taillights are missing you know everything's done every body panel is you know fully dented and it looked like a rolling death machine (laughs) but i would still drive that to school and (laughs) and uh to work at the time oh gosh so he used to get pulled over a bunch really all that missing stuff wow. no, no mud flaps no taillights you know headlights not working whatever it was yeah but i was just from wheeling it every weekend wow did you guys ever wheel like some really steep angle stuff or was yeah, it more so muddy there's a there's a decent amount of places to go here mm-hmm. in washington there's a closest place is it's called lb hills orv park that's uh it's kind of it's right by mount rainier actually oh wow so out out by ashford mm-hmm. so that's uh one of the first you know wheeling places i went and it's uh 
some nasty trails there. <laughs> they're, you know, as wide as your truck and yeah. there's stumps and roots and oh, yeah. rocks and mud everywhere. So everything's getting bashed in <laughs> pretty fast there. So it's always deep mud holes and, you know, off cambered stuff there. So oh, it's so much fun. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's Helby Hills. And then another favorite place of mine is, uh, we call it Natchez. So that's in like the Cliffdale kind of Eastern part of Schnook Pass area. Mm-hmm. So that's all super nice rock there. It's and drier over there, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, dry rock and you, you're basically like wheeling on the moon. That's like the terrain of <laughs> it. Like there's an area called the moon rocks and I'm, I'm guessing that's what the moon looks like. That's so cool. So you're like wheeling up vertical, you know, rock pitches, and you're you're rolling on your side, and what? <laughs> yeah, yep. It's pretty crazy stuff. That's there. wild. Yep. <laughs> so that so that was my type of rock climbing. I'd go there, and we'd you know wheel on the rocks, and mm-hmm. it's a totally different thing from like the the LB place because LB is a nasty, muddy you know tree rooty place where natchez is just nice perfect rock Mm -hmm. as to you know rock climbing and the the hiking rock climbing world you you find nice perfect rock and yeah (laughs) it won't load so it won't load because it won't load (laughs) it's old anyway sorry so, so yeah, I got super into the wheeling thing, and that was my main motivation. I would, you know, this was, you know, late high school, so junior, senior year, I would go to school, go to work after school, and then I'd come home and work on that Toyota I had every night, pretty much. Wow. Trying to you know jerry rig or you know actually fix everything for the Mm -hmm. the weekend coming up so that that was another you know phase of my life where i was just like super motivated by something and super like head into adventure yeah it was you know full-on adventure when you're out there wheeling because you're going places most people won't ever go you know Mm -hmm. in a normal car or truck and you're seeing all these cool things and having good times with your friends camping and you're out there breaking parts and then spending like unexpected nights out there you know trying to fix it or calling for help or because that self-reliance thing right yeah yep (laughs) yeah no i've been stranded in the woods quite a few times really does that like give you anxiety or is it like "Ah, i can not really it's like Oh, this is going to be a long night, but we'll be fine. Someone will find us or something. Wow. Is it a process to be able to have that level of like, um, or that ability to cope? Um, Cause let's see. Um, it kind of depends. Some people will just call someone, mm-hmm. have them, you know, come rescue them. Whereas to, I would literally do anything I could to fix or get my truck out before calling someone it's a story of my life so, yeah <laughs> sometimes to a fault but most of the time no like through through technique yeah and learning yeah um, i can <laughs> it helps me out yeah <laughs> so yeah no the wheeling 
wheeling scene is pretty awesome you're you know same thing as the bmx racing you're making a bunch of new you know lifelong friends and <laughs> out there just to have fun and experience new things new places it's very group oriented yeah right? yeah yep. you're not you're not out there wheeling by yourself typically do you just do so, like meetups or just have friends that do just, it? just friends that do it so you know i i just have a handful of friends i go with every weekend and we'd all go out there and get stranded pretty much <laughs> yeah. roll our rigs and drive back home and oh wow yeah you've rolled your truck yeah i've not complete i haven't actually completely rolled over somehow but i've I've, I've rolled it on its side probably mm-hmm. i don't know 20 30 times total oh wow this is throughout like i had like <sighs> three different toyota trucks so mm-hmm. You like Toyotas? That's, yeah. Yeah, I do yep. too. I've only owned a, not trucks, but I've only owned Toyota Corollas my yeah, whole life. Yeah, like, the Toyotas are like, you know, they're bulletproof and mm-hmm. reliable and usually pretty cheap. So yeah, they're, they're awesome cars. Um, have you ever rolled it on its side and pinned the driver door? Um, yeah, so I've, <laughs> I've had to crawl out, you know, the passenger side multiple times and I've also... You know, Jerry, you know, climbed out of the driver's seat as the driver's door is pointing towards the sky. <laughs> so pretty, pretty fun stuff. Oh, wow. We're usually pretty safe about everything, though. Like I had a roll cage and, mm-hmm. you know, harnesses. So you're we're, we're out there doing it safely. Yeah. Well, it's, it seems like you're not. Um, what is it? You're not risky or. I say this, you're very thoughtful yeah right and yeah. like most of the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you can you can see it within most of the things that you do you yeah know? and yep. um and i think that's the beauty of it is, is it's like that that i would argue is not much of a trait but more of a skill right and like through exercising it you get Something better you better acquire at it. over time and yeah and just like the the ability to maintain calm when like something unexpected Goes happens wrong, it, yeah. exactly and like yep. that's what I, I think often because like i think i um i don't understand sometimes mm-hmm. or i forget the co- like that ability to maintain calm is not just normal right. thing for because i've been with people who would find themselves in like a dangerous situation or potentially dangerous situation mm-hmm. and they're like a deer in the headlights right. and i've yeah. been there myself yep. but i don't really find myself in that scenario too often anymore yeah and it's i often just forget that i'm like right. oh okay <laughs> like i've just developed this ability to cope over time right and, that's and like, i i feel the same exact way like I'm, I'm a pretty calm and timid person so i'm usually just super calm about everything like something <laughs> crazy will happen and i'm just like oh yeah whatever it'll be yeah, fine like, so, oh. <laughs> yeah so, yeah other people they they freak out because mm-hmm. they don't have that experience or you know skill yeah exactly so. and then i also think too is, is like i seek these experiences that like that stimulate me and i, I like these like big experiences mm-hmm. right so i like to i like to feel a high level of like of joy and excitement enthusiasm yep. and like lower like video games is one example yeah right? where I, I used to play a lot of video games right. yeah and I, I played some too in my childhood years my son's like let's play video games i'm like okay because he can't he can't necessarily do everything that i can do right, right. um yeah, because he's limited by his size and, and like the things that he understands yeah so i do he does the things that I like to do and then I do the things he likes to do. I'll put, play video games and I was afraid at one point that, oh no, 
I go back into playing video games all the time because when I was a guy, I played them a lot. Right, yeah. Like, I've spent summers inside. I, I think every guy has gone through that stage yeah. of video games. So, And I go back to play it, though, and I'm having fun with my son, but I don't get sucked in. And right. the thing that I've noticed is, like, the enthusiasm that I get from accomplishing, like, a quest in Skyrim or discovering, like, a new dungeon mm-hmm. isn't the same when you compare it to like exploring a new drainage climbing a mountain right that level of excitement and thrill is a whole new level of excitement and thrill yeah it's it registers way more on my map yeah and it's like unquestionable because you know i don't even fear going back to that even like including um i use a lot of drugs Mm -hmm. when i was younger right and not even that like i don't if one example is, is cigarettes, I was right. I'd smoke cigarettes <laughs> yeah. and I got into martial arts and then I started getting into going to the backcountry more. Yeah, um, yeah. I did mushrooms. Yeah, and I had this whole experience where I'm like looking at my e-cigarette and like <laughs> this thing's heavy. Every time I go out, I was out uh, backpacking at the time yeah. just by myself. Mm-hmm. I'm like every time I go out here, I gotta charge this thing. And when it dies, I get <laughs> You're like freaking yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I need to return back into my car. I'd bring like these big batteries yeah. that were they were the size of, like a cigar. Yeah, and they were heavy, and I'm just like man, and this slows me down because it, it like messes with my. Um, my respiration right so i just like i could just set this aside because these are more important for me Mm -hmm. and like it wasn't i wouldn't make better choices because it's something that i should be doing made better choices um even all the way down to like my diet right right because it allowed me to do the thing that i like more which Mm -hmm. i like more than you know eating shit food or doing drugs stuff like that yeah and it's it's awesome man Mm -hmm. and that goes back to like the sense of structure and the meaning that um that your activities can provide right right? yeah so yeah wheeling you know kept me out of trouble all Mm -hmm. of high school kept me out of doing drugs and you know drinking too much i guess (laughs) uh the later years of high school i'd you know drink every weekend like every Mm -hmm. other high schooler yeah exactly peer pressure and it's what everyone does so Mm -hmm. it is it's almost like a a ritual within our own culture pretty much yeah yeah yep so yeah wheeling would you know keep me away from most of that Instead of partying at a house every weekend, I would just be out in the woods, you know, yeah. having a couple of beers with my buddies and, you know, out there enjoying it for mm-hmm. us to, you know, I have some friends that, you know, became like literally alcoholics in high school and yeah. they, they don't have any, you know, sense of structure or anything like that. So See, and that's the thing that I, I wrestle with because like I went from being sober for like off of everything but cigarettes and alcohol or not cigarettes and alcohol, cigarettes and coffee at the time right. right for like for four years yeah. and then i went back or i quit smoking cigarettes and mm-hmm. then i started implementing um like drugs certain drugs you know as, right. as like tools right yeah. and also um what i always wondered what like what joy was yeah and, and you know like i'd still eat cake right mm-hmm. um I don't really I don't drink but like for like weed and stuff like that and yeah. psychedelics like right. those those are still very much within my uh, my my wheelhouse of right. tools that I'll use yeah. and yeah. ways to like enjoy it with friends cuz like I couldn't at once I was like all drugs are bad yeah and if you do them you're just you go to a bar <laughs> you're you're wasting your fucking time and like right. you're just like people who are addicts and it's like 
Okay, that's that is horrible. That yeah. is like dismissing everything because you have yeah. like eighty percent of people, um, if not even ninety percent. Fine, it's right. great, yeah. and th- yeah. it's like they're what they're either successful or they're happy or they're at least just paying their bills. Right. And it's not the drugs itself; it's the person. And then I like analyze myself if like if I don't have enough control over my own self. Right. This is for me. I don't for for people out there who are like struggling alcoholics. Is, yeah. You know, I they have their own experience, but right. like I'm like, well, if I completely avoid these, then I'm not actually building the skills necessary mm-hmm. to um, to be disciplined. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so now now that I've had this like time away, I'm gonna revisit this, find out what experiences I enjoy and don't. Like, I don't really enjoy drinking too much. Right. But like, I like smoking weed. Yeah. And yeah. then I learn how to implement discipline into that, mm-hmm. and it completely revitalized like the the way that I would spend time with other people because I wasn't so ignorant and arrogant, right, you know, yeah, and yeah. also within my own <laughs> self too. Cause yeah. it wasn't like, I would understand that, like that the desire to get, um, to be under the influence. Right. Right. It's just yeah. like anything else. It just yeah. requires like discipline. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I've always wondered too, in raising my son, like he's going to experience these things. So right. how, how can I provide a framework for him yeah. where He's. I'm not like trying to shelter him from the experience, right. but I'm giving him like the tools to be able to cope with it, right. yeah. and, and just be like, "Oh, this is life. You, you may or may not do this. Please let me know so you can be safe." Yeah, that's and, how my parents were. Because really? obviously, in high school, you know, every teenager will finally you know catch on to drinking or smoking or mm-hmm. whatever. So I would, you know, I'd say I was at a friend's house and I'd actually be at like a party or something, <laughs> drinking away. And uh, they're always there, you know, give us a call if you ever do this. Like, yeah. I'd say, yeah, no, I don't drink or anything. But, mm-hmm. you know, every weekend I'd be out there drinking and doing crazy stuff with my friends. And, but, yeah, they're always, you know, there to support me if, you know, I've ever needed a ride or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They're just, yeah, we know it's going to happen, but, uh, yeah, we're here if it does. So. That's great. And did you have a pretty good relationship in that context with them? Like uh, on your side of things? Yeah, I, I think I did. Because I was, I was always, you know, maybe I'll call them tonight if I want to go home. Or maybe I'll just, you know, sleep passed out in the bushes or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, yeah, no, they, they eventually, you know found out i was drinking and it wasn't nothing crazy they're like yeah just you know be safe about it yeah don't do not drive like Mm -hmm. that's the worst thing you do exactly yeah so speaking of like drinking and stuff after you know i went through my i went through like a wheeling phase Mm -hmm. and i uh outside of high school i i got a good job and i uh moved out on my own in a little apartment and uh, moving out to that, I I got rid of my Toyota pickups, and so I didn't really have any real hobbies or you know something to commit to. I was I was still snowboarding winter time, but you know that's only in the winter. Mm-hmm. So moving out by myself, I found myself just you know drinking the night away every night mm-hmm. after yeah. work, just because there was nothing else to do and. I, I didn't really hang out with many people and so I slowly you know just got trapped in that a drinking phase mm-hmm. I just find myself you know drinking myself to sleep every night and uh, I went to uh, Las Vegas for 
when was that? I went to Las Vegas for my first time and got pretty drunk there. <laughs> and me and a buddy were, you know, out going to strip clubs and mm-hmm. doing a bunch of crazy stuff, all the casinos. And yeah, found myself like I gambled away like all the money I brought on that trip because I was like belligerently drunk. Like <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, where I was at. And I ended up walking like. I don't even know, maybe 10 or 12 miles home from some strip club just because I I didn't know what I was doing and Mm -hmm. made it back to the hotel somehow. Still had my phone and my keys and my wallet, which was good. That is good, yeah. Woke up the next morning and that was like the time I realized I was like, I need to stop drinking because this is bad. Like just yeah drinking i found myself just depressed and using alcohol to cure that i guess yeah it as with, a whole big yeah deal. yeah but i found myself you know trying to solve like depression and being like lonely with alcohol and during that time in vegas i realized like i, I need to stop this and like do something about it so I found myself like having like suicidal thoughts from time to time and just all that bad stuff. So mm-hmm. after that, I, uh, it's a couple months before that I, uh, actually climbed Mount Adams with a buddy. So really? You- yeah. So my, my first hike, uh, couple hot chicks like invited me to get so so yeah this is how i got into hiking (laughs) pretty much so like six months prior to you know me stopping drinking or whatever i went on my first hike because these hot chicks wanted to go and i've never been hiking before and they're like let's go so i was like heck yeah like i'll go with you whatever so went hiking and did uh mount eleanor if you've heard of that Mm -hmm. it's in the olympics and did that and got like halfway up and I was in jeans and a flannel and <laughs> we we found ourselves like socked in the clouds and it was like raining and we had no idea what we were doing oh wow so I was just out there for the fun of it mm-hmm. and uh after that I went on a couple you know small hikes did like Mount Sai which was pretty cool Mm-hmm. I was doing that in like van shoes and shorts and a t-shirt and a water bottle, like not bringing anything at all. And not the, the proper attire, obviously. Was it, uh, in those scenarios, what was your motivations for just being out there? Or did you look to get um, to like the top and get the views? Just get to the top and get the views. Cause after, you know, Mount Sai got to the top my first time and, pretty cool view and it's pretty kept my mind off alcohol and you're just out there kind of enjoying it so after that i i got into just doing regular hikes like uh mount belgica and high rock lookout and just slowly got consumed into seeing all these cool places and (laughs) then uh one of my wheeling buddies max he does mount adams like once a year just to do it he's not into like hiking or anything he he'll just do it to do it really yeah so he was like hey i'm doing like mount adams in like a month or something and i'm like three or four months into hiking i'm like sure i'll do it whatever and uh no knowledge of what mountain mount adams actually was <laughs> oh my i've gosh. never seen it or heard of the name before i was just like yeah sure i'll do it just walk and straight then, uh, into it you yeah, know i kind of looked into it and i was like oh you need like 
crampons, whatever those are, and an ice axe, whatever that is. So I ordered some like micro spikes off Amazon and <laughs> went to REI for my f- first time and got an ice axe. And uh, pretty much I was just like, okay, I'm ready to climb this hill or whatever. Yeah. And so I, uh, I'm in. What did I wear? I was in jeans and a flannel for that too. <laughs> I think I brought like a little rain jacket, just one I had, but I was not prepared at all for it. But uh had hiking boots, so that was that was a good thing. Better I guess. than the vans. Better than the vans, yeah. <laughs> so this is my first, you know, mountain climbing experience. Like all the other stuff, they're just, you know, hikes and whatnot. But mm-hmm. so this we went to the ranger station and they were like oh there's thunderstorms predicted this evening so me and my buddy max are like whatever like no no big deal we'll be fine and we get up to uh it's called lunch counter it's a pretty famous camping spot up about it i think it's like nine thousand feet mm-hmm. get up there set up the tent and i'm just up there enjoying you know that you know element for the first time wow high up camping and using a jet boil for my first time and whoa that's such a rad introduction making water out of snow for my first time and finding all that stuff was pretty interesting to do Mm -hmm. but uh we had to bed at you know 8 p.m or so so we could get a a early early start the Mm -hmm. next morning and about i think it's like 9 or 10 p.m like I wake up to like the loudest thunder I've like heard in my life and uh the tent is literally just you know lighting up every five seconds and you could like you know see the lightning bolts through your eyelids while you're trying to sleep so uh yeah we got caught in a nasty thunderstorm and so we uh we threw all of our ice axes and crampons away from the tent and uh we're sitting there you know scared out of our lives because all the other hikers climbers they most of them you know dip back down to tree line just when the rangers you know they they actually came up to lunch counter and told everyone like hey there's like a serious like thunderstorm coming so mo- most people dipped down or went back to the car called it off but we were up there and uh there we were enduring a nasty storm so it was you know thunder hail lightning snow we're just sitting there you know with our tails behind our legs between our legs excuse me but uh that was quite the experience for my first time like ever backpacking or you know big mountain climbing but we woke up at 6 a.m and the storm was still going so (laughs) but this time it was just just hailing no no lightning or anything there so yeah we all of our the tent got like completely soaked from the the rain and the hail so some of our stuff was wet and uh were you really like wet cold miserable or uh, no i had a a good sleeping bag actually but uh it's pretty miserable night i don't think i slept you know at all but (laughs) what what were your um emotions like in that moment were you um at first i was terrified like i've never experienced something like that so at first i was like freaking out mentally and then we kind of 
just got used to it and then a couple hours later me and him were just sitting there like laughing you know thinking to ourselves what are we doing here that's all you can do and right? that's all we could do but kind of found some you know enjoyment out of the bad situation made made the best of it and mm-hmm. we survived that night so we made it up to the summit the next morning and that was probably like the game changer then like after i summited adams i was like okay this is like something i want to mm-hmm. commit to and do wow, you just the the views and you know pushing yourself to your, your limit and the glissade down was super fun so so explain glissading to me glissading is just sliding down the snow on your butt so do you you go fast as you would like sledding as a kid um at times yeah it just depends on like what you're glissading down so mount adams like a a glissade shoot kind of develops so it's like a what's that thing bobsledding Mm -hmm. it's kind of like bobsledding so you're just like in this little runnel and having a blast going down so you're sliding on your butt and it takes you know a quarter of the time to get down as it would to get up that hill how far on mount adams did you glissade uh i think it's like three thousand feet from the summit to camp so that's three thousand feet that you don't have to walk that sounds like so So, much fun you know that's pretty fun and after that packed up camp and slogged out and by this time it was like 70 degrees out so wow it's pretty brutal from camp down but i would imagine that glissade was pretty fun yeah wow but uh yeah that was my first you know mountain summit was mount adams man that's that quite the challenge that you had to go through yeah, to be able to summit super, it super tough actually i i wanted to quit the whole entire time really from the push to camp to the summit but just stuck to it and you know put my head down and put one foot in front of the other and, did you uh, do any physical training or uh that- i just did you know basic hikes before that and i was kind of cocky i was just like oh, i i could do anything so yeah. i'll be fine <laughs> but uh no I was, I was struggling most of the way oh yeah but. wow that's so cool see i've been um baiting my son is that if he, he has to do a certain amount of backpacking trips this uh season yeah but the next year to climb helens because mm-hmm. it's the longest um what is it the longest slide he'll ever ride yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah helens is a good glissade also mm-hmm. i think it's like it's like literally like four that five thousand feet you can glissade yeah so you know he'll, he'll have the time of his life on that yeah that's what i'm hoping because like w- when it comes to running he, he goes you know he would hike up a mountain and then down the mountain he likes to run yeah but i've had to do this thing ever since he was four yeah and it's hold his hand i see while he runs because yeah. then when he like loses his footing then i just can got l- him yeah, yeah pick him up but yeah. like there's times where he he'll run and yeah it's just like face plant face yeah. plant on luckily soil's really soft <laughs> right and like he's not able to to do to find that level of joy th- that i am mm-hmm. right and going down in the sense that like I know that it's there because he says, oh, I'm having so much fun. But then he'll get like tired within like, you know, like 30 minutes or 20 minutes of doing that level of effort. And he'll then he'll be like, oh, having a hard time. And then it'll cycle. Right. Like with skiing, though, I've seen because it's more accessible. It's less physically demanding on the down portion. And he loves it so much. So I'm like, dude, you you love glissading, man. Like, oh, it'd be so cool. 
Yeah, so up on Mount Adams, I saw, you know, Mount St. Helens and uh, saw Mount Hood for my first time ever. Mm-hmm. Saw, you, I think you could see Mount Jefferson kind of peeking behind it also. So it's being up there, I was just, you know, literally blown away by the views and that kept me coming back for more. So the next weekend, I actually bought permits offline for Mount St. Helens, mm-hmm. actually. Wow. And uh, me and a buddy summited that. And uh, that was another experience because we we pretty much, you know, kept a super fast pace on the way up. And I was out of shape, but, you know, I kept up to his pace. And we get to the summit way faster than we expected. We got to the summit, I I think, about like 4 Mm a.m. And the sun doesn't rise till I think it was like 530 or, you know, maybe 6 at that time of year. Mm -hmm. And uh so I sat up there shivering in my flannel for, you know, hour and a half till the sun rose. What temperature do you think it is at like at the top? Um, it was probably n- near freezing. This is wow. uh, late August, so mm-hmm. it does get cold up there, obviously, at, you know, 8,000 feet. Yeah, exactly. But not too cold. But I, I was, you know, shivering. I, wow. I laid down to take a nap and... I woke up shivering, so I, really? I, uh, I went to stand up, and I, I stood up, and I instantly felt dizzy, and I instantly just started, like, projectile vomiting. Oh, my gosh. So, I was dying once I woke up, and yeah. people were up there just looking at me, just, like, puking my brains out, and my uh, my buddy, he's like, dude, you, you okay? Like, what's wrong? I was like, I think it's, like, food I ate or something weird, mm-hmm. so up there puking and we finally head down the mountain and i i puked till like halfway down you know every every couple minutes i was just wow you know barfing my lungs out and didn't know why and got back down to the car and i just like felt you know perfectly fine like nothing ever happened Mm -hmm. so just looking it up and i actually got altitude sickness on St. Helens, which is pretty low for that, but mm-hmm. I that's what it was. I was just dizzy and felt like I was drunk and wow, that's puking rough. up and upset stomach and achy body and so that was like you have a flu. Yeah, it was like the flu pretty much, but you know, was gone by the time I was at the car. That's so wild. that was another first time experience, you know. Mm-hmm climbing atoms and then getting altitude sickness which is like the worst thing in the world i think yeah really have yeah. you have you experienced it much since yeah i've got it i've got it pretty bad like twice after that mm-hmm. once on mount shasta down in california me and a buddy tried to one day climb it and i found myself just you know using the the bathroom way too frequently <laughs> and a fire ride bar- barfing my brains out again wow. and then uh time to time you just feel lightheaded and stuff but i feel that running not a, not when i go um out yeah. to get altitude yeah 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 no i've got it you know another time before but mm-hmm. now i could i manage it pretty good you just gotta you know get enough sleep stay hydrated eat enough food and Oh, really? Got a steady pace instead of, you know, sprinting up the mountain, mm. being dehydrated, and all that stuff kind of contributes to altitude sickness. Oh, I see. So. So you can mitigate it yeah, pretty well. Yeah, I, I handle it pretty well. Mm-hmm. 
I still get like an I I just naturally get an upset stomach at elevation. Like that's something that like I haven't figured out yet. Oh really? So I just kind of deal with it. Yeah, but because it's worth it to you. Yeah, for it's worth you, it. Yeah. yeah. So. Have you ever tried Tailwind? What was that? Have you ever tried Tailwind? I've not. Tailwind is pretty rad. Yeah. I'll, I'll only use it for like performance, just because I usually don't try to go for like high carbs, right? right. Yeah. But um, it's an electrolyte and uh, calorie I see. powder. Yeah, and it has like a hundred calories um, per scoop. Oh, really? And yeah, it has your full electrolytes and then um, huh. all your vitamins. And it's so what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to replace uh, gels and electrolyte supplements. Right. I see. And to prevent like gut bombs. So okay. the yeah. flavor of it is, is like a super subtle. You could hardly taste like you know berry. They have other flavors too. Yeah. Um, and it's meant to to prevent the upset stomach and right. stuff. So it's not super strong. Yeah. And um, it's made out of dextrose. So it's okay. super simple sugars. Yeah. It's actually supposed to... Um, dextrose absorbs better than fruit, for instance. I see. And yeah. um, it's the fuel, basically, that, I, that I'll carry with me on all, most of my trips. I see. I see. Um, yeah, I just use, like, the non-tablets from time to time for, you know, some sort of electrolyte up there. Yeah. But, yeah, and I'll, I'll give that stuff a try. Yeah, it's, it's worth it. I, I've just been messing around with it um, so far, and I haven't done anything at altitude, obviously, right. but yeah. I'd love to check it out for right. that. Yeah. yeah. It's tight. Yeah, so I did... This is my, my mountaineering journey, I guess. Yeah. So I did Adams, St. Helens, and... From St. Helens, I was, you know, eyeballing Mount Hood, just, you know, off on the horizon and looked pretty intimidating. It has that, you know, the left side of North Face has that Cooper Spur kind of <laughs> gradual, gnarly looking slope. And I was just intrigued by the shape of Mount Hood. So from so. Adams and Helens, um, was there like any technical knowledge that you had to develop or um, like, what's that look like? On uh, Mount Adams, it was just using crampons for the first time and mm-hmm. using an ice axe you know, and self-arresting all the way down mm-hmm. while you're glissading. Did you have to, um, for, for you, did you have to like set aside time to learn like self-arresting and stuff? Or did your buddy show you or uh, did you just look it up? I just kind of figured it out up there it's kind of nothing too consequential mm-hmm. on adams so it's like i wouldn't i don't recommend it to i guess you know yeah no, i wouldn't recommend audience members random people going up there with nothing but, but i personally i'm the kind of person where it's like um i would i do i, I do like to figure things out on right. my own. I don't know how to say this yeah. in that, like in an appropriate and uh, respectable way, but like I like to do things on my own, and I like and I obviously source information from knowledgeable people, right. but I yeah. like to try to figure it out. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm probably more likely to like, okay, how do you mountaineering? Let's right. see what all the techniques you're supposed to do, and then I go out and practice them. Yeah, and then go on from there. And I don't you know, know how bad that is in my context. But. You know, I went at it with a cocky state of mind. Yeah. I just said, yeah, whatever. It can't be too hard. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> other people do it, so I'll just go up there and do it. Mm-hmm. But that probably wasn't the best approach. Yeah. I obviously should have, you know, practiced self-resting and using crampons before that. But Adams is pretty low. Like said, but yeah, it's, you know, pretty low consequence typically. So if someone were to do that, Adams would be a good place to start. Yeah, and I'd then, say so. Yeah. Adams okay. or Helens in the springtime. Yeah. Or Camp Mirror. That's another, you know, pretty safe option to learn snow travel and using an ice axe and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But so I 
did you know Adams, Helens, and then I was you know getting kind of good at snowboarding. I could hold my own at the resort, and mm-hmm. I uh, you know saw people. I went back to Helens in uh, December of that year mm-hmm. and uh, did a winter climb of it, and I tugged along my snowboard. So this was my first like backcountry experience Whoa. ever. So were you like snowshoeing your way? Um, up? No, I would. I didn't have snowshoes. I was like postholing the whole way up. Wow! And then, you know, I was just following all the other skiers and snowboarders up. I was by myself actually, which isn't the best, mm-hmm. you know, an avalanche terrain or anything. But did you have any like avalanche identification? No, I had no knowledge of that at all. Any actually. research, or you just no going research, into it? No research, wow. but. I knew it was just pretty mellow slopes. So I didn't think anything could happen. It's popular, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty popular. So, yeah, I summited that and snowboard off the summit, and you know, just followed everyone else's tracks down, and that was like the time of my life because really? snowboarding down a volcano, it's just like the crazy experience like I've ever you know done up until that point. Wow, what gave you the idea for that? Was someone introduced you to it, or you uh, just? No, I did a. Uh, camp mirror before that Mm -hmm. and uh there's this you know everyone's skiing and snowboarding down and here i am uh walking down yeah so i was like well i'm i'm getting kind of good at snowboarding so uh try to incorporate the two Mm -hmm. so yeah i did that and uh yeah that was another you know little game changer i guess you'd say so after that i uh found myself wanting to you know snowboard down everything i was climbing up snow covered and then uh yeah so going back to that vegas trip after vegas i was like okay i'm done drinking and a couple of weeks later i you know got actual crampons actual snow gear and i uh summited mount hood for my first time wow did that and uh that was like mid-february was it that one that you were mentioning earlier about um the the sugary snow on the north uh, face? No, the, no. The, the Cooper Spur route, that was a couple months ago. Okay. So, yeah, I, I went up the, the basic south side route, which some people call it a walk-up, but it obviously isn't. It you really? know, has, has its challenges. The last 800 feet or so are pretty steep, and there's couple fumaroles and cracks you could fall into so how do you mitigate how did you mitigate those challenges at the time like did you have like knowledge going into it or did you encounter it and you're like oh i uh i you know looked into it pretty well and i was like okay i've used my crampons on a couple steep slopes here and there and i could i know how to use my ice axe and Mm -hmm. i felt pretty confident did my research on you know just you know going up the the pearly gates mm-hmm. and uh seemed pretty straightforward so. at this point your knowledge from like crampons ice axe yeah, uh, this, ability is just through through practice yeah. and going up to the mountains yeah basically. Yep. okay so at this point i had you know a pretty basic knowledge and i felt pretty confident that i could do hood and summited hood and that was uh big moment in my life because that was like okay i'm done drinking this is like what i'm doing wow so pretty big you know motivational factor Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so then uh after that that was my first hood summit i went back and summited it with 
one of my other buddies and then went back a couple more times solo and i think i summited it four times that winter spring so that got me hooked in love man after that i was you know in good climbing shape i could climb hood without getting tired or sore and snowboarding down from uh you know most uh mount hood Mm -hmm. So after that, I was like, damn, I want to like climb Mount Rainier one day. And, uh, cause I, where I live down in Piala, if you could see it literally everywhere, it's just boom, right in your face. Really? Yeah. Oh, Any so street corner, you could almost see it. I'd say <laughs> so you could see it. Yeah. I think you'd see it all the way from, uh, somewhere along the freeway right down mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Maybe Everett or so you could start seeing it. Oh yeah. I've been able to see it from, uh, Erie climbing Erie? up there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, you can see it, you know, mm-hmm. all across our state. So it's growing up, you know, looking at oh, that yeah. mountain, not even thinking anything about it. It was just, you know, part of living in Tacoma, Pialp. Never would have thought I would, you know, be climbing it one day. But I found a, a mentor and he, uh, this was in a, this was in like March. Mm-hmm. He told me he'd take me up Mount Rainier. And uh, I said, yeah, sure thing. I'll be in shape and have all the right gear. And oh, yeah. So I got, you know, harness and crevasse rescue gear, bigger, better backpack and equipment. And he uh, he was like, yeah, I'll teach you crevasse rescue and rope travel. And so... Uh, so Rainier, uh, or not Rainier, rather, yeah, Rainier differs from Adams, Helens, and Hood in the sense that you have to watch out for crevasses. Like, yeah, so Adams on the south route is a walk in the park. There's mm-hmm. no crevasses or anything. Same with Helens. It's just you know a walk up a hill, pretty much, mm-hmm. in a sense. And then Mount Hood, there's a couple little cracks here and there, but. It's just mainly a, a steep climb at the end. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, the next level of challenge for oh, me. wow. So, but yeah, Mount Rainier is a gnarly, gnarly mountain. So that's like, where it's like, okay, I need to find a mentor. Yeah. So, okay. I was like, I want to climb it, but I, I don't want to pay a, a guided group. <laughs> so that's my, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, when I first looked into it, I was like, damn, like a guided group is the only option. Like, mm-hmm. I guess I'll save up, you know, however much it costs and go with them but then i realized you could climb it you know without a guide and i was like okay that's the way i want to do it yeah so, it seems like right up your alley but yeah i found a mentor and we uh you know planned a date out to climb it and we planned a summit on fourth of july mm-hmm. uh, last year a year ago wow. almost exact i guess <laughs> and uh so the first day we went up to mirror and Second day, he taught me caress rescue and, you know, learn how to use the rope. Taught me all that in a day, and I felt confident I could uh, save his life mm-hmm. if something were to happen. And then the two of us, just, you know, me and him, we pushed to the summit and summited Mount Rainier, uh, 4th of July last year. Wow, is it a one-day push? Uh, well, no, we uh, it's typically done over, like, two or three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, paradise at the summit so uh, the first day we went up to camp mirror at ten thousand feet so halfway mm-hmm. up almost almost exact and then the second day we just hung out and you know practiced everything mm-hmm. 
And then the third day we made the push to the summit and then from the summit all the way back down to the car that day. Oh, wow. But so, yeah, that was probably like, you know, one of the biggest moments in my life was summiting right here. Yeah, uh, you see every day ever since you were yeah, a kid. Yeah, like it was a big deal to me. It's super like sentimental and never would have thought I would climb that. So, wow. You know, it was probably the best trip I've had because we, you know, started out from Camp Muir at, you know, midnight or so and reached the summit at, it was like 4.15 in the morning. Why do you leave so early again? Uh, You leave early, typically on the big mountains, just to avoid like objective hazard. So, so once the sun's up, the mountain is, in theory, melting away. Oh, so you wow. got rocks falling and you know big ice chunks breaking off and mm-hmm. so you start early to try to avoid those hazards you know mitigate it mm-hmm. so yeah we summited before sunrise and i could see you know from mount hood to probably up here i could wow. see lights and it's probably the most crazy view i've ever had that's incredible but so yeah, that was a huge moment of my life and me and him are up there on the summit by ourselves because we got up way faster than we thought it would take mm-hmm. so me and him are just up there freezing how, how cold I, do you think it's up there um i think it was forecasted like maybe 12 degrees and then just you know constant little breeze how many so, jackets do you have on? i i didn't bring enough that trip which i i typically don't bring much clothing actually that's I run, comforting i run pretty warm so i don't have to worry about bringing a, a huge parka or anything like that so you don't but, have like it's not like specialized now mountaineering jacket nothing like, crazy i just wear like a, a long sleeve athletic shirt and then i have like a a thin thin little like windbreaker type mm-hmm. jacket and then i have like a, a micro puffy oh really so not not too much clothing. Yeah, you know, and then that I, just, mic- I just wear regular old hiking pants for most everything. And the micro puffy, that's not like some like three hundred dollar like Arteryx like no, it's, rated. It's like a cheap Eddie Bauer like a hundred dollar puffy. Yeah, oh, that's the comforting because like I'm looking at this right, and I, I I love I'm loving trad climbing and I'm wanting to get mountaineering, and then I look and I'm like, oh, I bet I'm gonna have to get like. This really expensive high tech yeah. like jackets and pants and I'm, I really and I'm the kind of person where it's like most things that I do uh, you know I just I have the bare bare necessity right, and it's yeah. not because like you know I don't um, I don't care about my safety it's just like I think sometimes some things are a little overboard yeah so I I kind of got into that hook when I first you know did Mount Hood or whatever everyone's <laughs> wearing Arcturex and all the other big brands and I was like man I need that stuff I guess mm-hmm. but I was up there and you know. Sp- cheap ski pants and a a cheap ski jacket i was just fine so but yeah i've i always you know run the lower end lower end gear stuff Mm -hmm. i guess i mainly wear like the eddie bauer stuff yeah it's it's pretty you know cheap for what it is but the the gear works so Mm -hmm. no reason to spend you know hundreds of hundreds of dollars on another jacket or something i always so. see it as like more hours work than more hours climbing yeah or doing much. what i like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are at the top so yeah we're at the top wow. before sunrise and uh 
stay at the top for probably an hour just to watch the sunrise and it's probably like the most beautiful sunrise i've seen that's cool how does it look because i've been on top of a mountain and it wasn't on baker but or it was on a ridge yeah near near, um north side of baker and i was watching the sun set and i was watching it have the 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 looks of a setting sun without it actually going below the horizon yeah so you know the sunrise uh However far the horizon is, 150 miles, I think you'd usually see or something. But, uh, yeah, sunrise was unreal. You, you know, see the sun hitting the clouds on the horizon, and then it slowly just, you know, pans towards you. Wow. And eventually the sun, you know, crests, and you're in the sunlight. And uh, the cool thing about the, the big mountains is they usually have, like, a mountain shadow, so... Just since the mountains are so big, they'll you know cast a, a shadow at sunrise. What? So, wow. So you'll you'll see that, and that's you know one of the cooler things that I love seeing. That, so it like casts a shadow on casts, the landscape. Yeah, it casts a, a perfect triangle. It's usually a perfect triangle shadow, uh, you know, directly opposite of the sun. Oh, so that's so cool. It's pretty pretty neat to see. Do you get to see some sort of alpine glow? Yeah, so it you know you see anything from the purple to blue to red and pink and wow. all those colors. So I, I think you'd call it alpine glow. Yeah. So yep. that's rad, man. And coming down from Rainier, did you guys uh, glissade or ski? Uh, or? No. So so coming down was the fun part actually because uh, when you know, you're climbing up at midnight, you can't see anything besides what's what your headlamp is lighting up (laughs) so going up you know you just don't know what's around you exactly and uh coming down it's it's you know broad daylight now and Mm -hmm. you're coming down and you're like wow i uh i walked across that (laughs) without seeing that or i walked over that crevasse that i didn't see and wow you're seeing everything that you know went up and pitch black that's for the first time it's coming down, I was just, you know, fully, you know, how do I say it? Not scared, but I was just like, wow, I went yeah. across that stuff. You were aware. And now I have to go back did. down across it. Wow. That's be such a visceral so, experience. Yeah. Did you, um, did you guys have to like look for crevasses or like poke the snow to make sure? Like, how do you identify um, them as you're traveling? So that this was on the main uh, disappointment cleaver route and mm-hmm. the guides actually do a super well job of you know putting a path in that avoids crevasses and it's uh i think they actually do like shovel it out so it's like a flat platform what trail really? you walk on yeah whoa so it's super nice route you know it's the the most traveled route on Rainier. that's rad but so yeah that trip we only hopped across like two crevasses mm-hmm wait hopped across to yeah so you come across <laughs> or you come up to a little crack you know just barely wide enough to you know get your foot in and you just uh-huh. walk across it okay do wow. a little hop if you want to be enthusiastic yeah. but, <laughs> but so yeah that was my first my first glacier climb and that was another point where it kind of just took off i was like damn i like need to do like mount baker and glacier peak and all these other mountains now now that i have you know some experience and some knowledge Mm -hmm. so so after that rainier trip i you know 
dialed in caress rescue and repelling and all that kind of you know safety stuff and did you uh in what context did you do that did you like look it up and then try to do it with a party or did you pay for a guide service i actually like youtubed (laughs) most of the stuff which you know some people go through guided stuff and that's obviously, you know, super good way to go. Yeah. But I just wanted to learn it all on my own. Well, I completely so, recommend it once again. Yeah. Like, that's kind of more my route. I even have a friend. He's uh, was a Knowles instructor. He was on the podcast. And yeah. Andrew yep. Klein. And he was a Knowles instructor for 30 years, I yeah. think. Yep. Yeah. He even that's insane. had, yeah. like, one story where he took out people who never slept in a sleeping bag yep. and through Knowles. And they go to Patagonia. Yeah. And they get stuck in, like, a snowstorm for 40 days. And Jeez. they have to build a snow cave. Crazy. And, yeah, one of the guys getting gay green and stuff and they're like no none of them have any technical knowledge except him and a few other people in his uh, group right. yeah and like i was talking to him about it it's like well why you should go and get you know take those services you don't really need them right like, if you're have the level of awareness to and take something serious take something to learn it yeah and and then implement it and practice it as long as you're not aloof yeah yeah and i was i uh you know, went home and practiced all this stuff during the week. And uh, so, yeah, some of the during your 4th of July, the next weekend, I was like, I need to <laughs> I need to do something else crazy or cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> message like three random people on uh, Facebook. And I was like, hey, you guys want to do Mount Baker? Mm-hmm. And all four of us agreed. And we all four, you know met each other up there at the trailhead how'd you find these people uh just on a hiker forum wow so it goes back to like the bmx thing where you find uh camaraderie yeah you just find you know other people that are down to do stuff and make new friends so uh, yeah no we all four met up there and uh camped you know up at the black buttes on mount baker Mm -hmm. this is my second glacier climb are you guys going approaching from the north or the south? From the north, okay. the, the Coleman, Coleman Deming route. Okay. So we camp, you know, near the the Black Buttes, whatever you call those, and then <laughs> summited that uh, the next day. And I don't think the trip could have gone better. It was just perfect conditions and super fun time with those people. Oh wow! So you know, taking that trip, uh, you know probably you know lifelong friends with these people now that's great just from that one uh, hey you want to do this maybe together if it works mm-hmm. and it, it did and you know i kind of just get along i kind of get along with everyone so i i do too and I, I get really excited at the excuse to be able to meet new people yeah yep but uh yeah so that was mount baker and after that you know i've climbed rainier baker helens and uh adams wow so from Baker, you'd see, you know, Glacier Peak just, you know, sitting there <laughs> and uh, you can't really see it from too many places just because it's pretty remote and it's kind of tucked in there. Mm-hmm. So that was my first time seeing Glacier Peak. And uh, I was like, man, I need to I need to climb that. So uh, I think it was the weekend after that, I, uh, you know, just did a hike or something and mm-hmm. I ended up meeting uh, two other people people through uh one of the friends i did baker with and we all four agreed to do glacier peak together so i, I bagged glacier peak uh i think it was like the last weekend in july last mm-hmm. year and uh that was the fifth washington volcano wow summit. and did you um 
Did you hike? <laughs> did you hike and climb up it, and then like Lasade and climb down, or um, did you so, ski? So, uh, Glacier Peak going into it, I knew it was going to be pretty tough, just you know mileage and elevation gain wise. So, <laughs> going into it, it was pretty mellow day, mm-hmm. and we got up to camp and some uh, thunder heads started developing. So we got up to camp around noon or so. So we took a nap and uh, we we're going to plan a summit the next morning. Mm-hmm. But uh, just do the forecast. We were like, oh, let's let's summit at sunset. Something like totally different. Because wow. usually you're getting an alpine start and <clears throat> summiting early. But mm-hmm. we're like, let's summit at sunset. Like there's no real risk to doing that as opposed to climbing Rainier or Baker where you got, you know, serious objective hazard. What's, so, uh, what is the difference there? Is it the crevasse? Or? Um, yeah, it's just the crevasses and just the areas of like rock and ice fall. Okay. So glacier is pretty limited on that. There's just one little section, but you kind of just run through it almost. Mm-hmm. So yeah, some of the glacier peak with those four people and, wow. uh, it was the fifth volcano for three of us. Wow. So, you know, super special moment to be standing there with them. Oh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so that was an amazing trip. And it was kind of, you know, kind of smoky from the wildfires. So we didn't get the best view at all. But mm-hmm. it was uh, one of the better sunsets I've seen. Wow. So then we moseyed back down to camp. And that was pretty interesting because glacier peak from camp to the summit you're kind of just wandering through like these big glacial basins and moraines over a bunch of ridges and whatnot so the way down we're you know having to go through that in the dark so we're just kind of difficult moseying around trying to follow the gts and we're wading through like little creeks and stuff to get back to camp really yeah wow and so the the level of route finding is just using the gps and then just trying to track your movement yeah at at night (laughs) if it was daytime we would have had no problem yeah use features and stuff Mm -hmm. but at nighttime it was well a little bit tougher Mm -hmm. but made back to camp at like midnight beat tired oh, yeah. hungry thirsty so we've been going like we started at like it was like three in the morning saturday morning whoa really made, made it to camp at noon and then summited at sunset after you know a good break wow so we were running you know on a full day and a half worth yeah you were running on fumes and then i don't even think any of us slept the night before because mm-hmm. we basically all got off work at you know 6 p.m. Friday night, drove to the trailhead and started. Wow. So we're running on like zero sleep. Yeah. So we it's all adventure though. We all crashed and woke up at 9 a.m. or so. Mm-hmm. But that sleep felt amazing. <sighs> yeah, it felt amazing. And hiked back down to the car from there. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so after that, that was like a huge goal of mine. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't really know what else was after that. I was like, oh, I guess I'll like. I do some in Oregon or whatnot, and <coughs> excuse me. It's like I could do some in Oregon and maybe the California volcanoes, mm-hmm. but uh, so I've already snowboard. Excuse me, I snowboard off the summit of Adams like Memorial Day, so mm-hmm. a couple months before you know this Rainier July trip and yeah. all that stuff. So at this point, I snowboard off the summit of Adams, St. Helens. And uh, 
after Glacier Peak summoning that, I was like, maybe I should like try to snowboard off the summit of you know, all five Washington volcanoes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not you know too crazy of a goal. There's you know lots of people that do it, and even crazier pursuit is there's a guy named Jason Hummel. Mm-hmm. He's skiing every Washington glacier. Whoa. So there's like there's like 260 of them I think. Wow. And you know obviously some of those have probably never been skied before and Whoa, that's so I, wild. Yeah, I I like look up to, you know, the Jason Hummel guy. <laughs> Hope to meet him one day, but Yeah. He's almost skied all of them I think. I think he's down to the last, you know, handful or so. That's so cool. So that like, you know, big motivational factor like this guy's literally skied you know hundreds of glaciers you know i think he's skied like 200 glaciers or something but 200 can i do multiplayer on that um i don't think i don't know try so yeah i kind of looking up to so yeah kind of looking up to him i guess i was like yeah i could ski all of them i mean he's obviously you know skied off the summit of these before it's attainable there's other people that do it and mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I guess I'll uh, look into skiing like Rainier, snowboarding, excuse me, snowboarding Rainier and Baker. And uh, the spring, the I was waiting for the stars to align, like, you know, all of winter, stars never align. There's, you know, high avalanche danger and oh. just difficult travel conditions with, you know, deep snow and that was this all year, that right? stuff. Yeah. yeah was... And then... Uh, so yeah, now I mainly had my eyes on Rainier snowboarding off the summit of that, mm-hmm. just because I don't know it's my most favorite mountain and yeah. you know it's super sentimental. <laughs> so I was you know looking forward to that, trying to get it done, and all winter the conditions didn't align, and then the government shutdown happened, and uh, that lasted like a month I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And during that month, there was like, you know, several nice weekends where conditions would have been pretty good for that. And I just can't even get into the park. So, Mm -hmm. so that was kind of a bummer. Like could have, you know, done it winter time, a winter summit of Rainier. Mm -hmm. But, uh, come like February, we get a bunch of snow that month. So the whole month I was just, you know, at the resorts, snowboarding, dialing in my skills and whatnot. March, kind of the same thing, just avalanche danger here and there. Mm-hmm. April, I don't think it was too nice at all. And then uh, May, it finally, you know, springtime, starting to get nice out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was like May 5th, me and a buddy set out to try to, you know, snow, snowboard and ski off the summit of the Fourier Finger route. And we, uh, I get up to like 13,000 feet and that was my limit for that day really because i was super hot up there super high freezing level Mm -hmm. and i was just like completely heat exhausted there was no wind to keep you cool and snow was super super soft and i i had it like that was my uh, turnaround point Mm mm-hmm so uh my buddy he was you know still feeling super strong mm-hmm. he you know me and him agreed that you know the risk we we're gonna take if we split up and he tried to go to the summit we agreed on that and what we should do and where we should wait and we had uh you know radios so we could talk to each other mm-hmm. so we both agreed to you know let my buddy 
go to the summit he made the push to the summit and he skied off the summit in powder snow and we uh met back up at camp Mm -hmm. and uh there i was kind of moping down the mountain yeah not getting the summit ski in he's you know he's ecstatic like i'm you know super happy for him and Mm -hmm. but had the time of our lives down back down to the car from camp so yeah, I was pretty pretty bummed on that, but you know, mm-hmm. still made the best of it. Yeah, still had a good time, and the weather is nice. So, but doing that, you know, kind of get familiar with the route, and uh, the next weekend was looking nice. So I messaged my buddy Lance. I was like, "You want to snowboard off the summit or near?" And he he's not the best snowboarder. Not gonna dog him or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was like, you sure you could do this? Like, it's going to be gnarly up there. Or not, you know, too crazy, but it's going to be pretty tough. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, I'm down. And uh, next weekend, we went back and had stellar conditions like the previous weekend. Oh, yes. And uh, inched our way to the summit. I was kind of feeling the altitude mm-hmm. again, just getting lightheaded from time to time. And no appetite at all, so I was hungry the whole time. And we... uh crested the summit both of us and that was like the biggest goal i've like ever had in my life yeah now you're leading this right this this trip up uh, there now nah, it's just kind of just me and it's him just, you just yeah. going up yeah. yeah but you don't need but you you don't have that mentor now now it's no. like yeah yeah no so this that's so cool so uh excuse me going back to the first rainier <laughs> summit mm-hmm. after that i actually tried to you know be a leader and mm-hmm. i tried to take some friends up a couple times after that only to get turned around by like route conditions one time and then mm-hmm. one time uh we turned around at a uh, fourteen thousand feet mm-hmm. due to wind wow so we were you know 400 feet below the summit and we <laughs> literally like could not walk upward wait what yeah that much just because there was like 60 70 mile an hour winds <clears throat> wow so if we you were worried about blowing up, getting blown off the mountain, or is that no, a just, possibility? We were all just, you know, super burnt out just from, you know, pushing through the wind. And yeah, we we just could barely move at that point. Wow. It was just stupid to keep going, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of tough to, like, figure out when you should turn around and when you shouldn't. Like, mm-hmm. that's always, you know, a huge you know factor a tough thing to encounter on the mountain did you do you look up to anyone or do you use any resources to determine that but it's scary it's not like the the turnaround mm-hmm. you know kind of no it yeah. just i think it just comes down to experience and your you know your risk management mm-hmm. like you know previously talked about just comes down to like what you're willing to risk and what you know your partners are willing to do mm-hmm. how what they feel comfortable with and imagine these experiences too like you probably lament over them for days at yeah. a time after the fact yeah. right like especially that time when you said you were trying to you made the attempt to snowboard off the summit of rainier yeah the first time and you didn't get up there and you're moping your way down to the mountain yeah. i imagine the days after that oh, were, the, day, the days after oh it's super tough when mm-hmm. you have to turn around on something like comes you know you almost get like i almost get like downright depressed you know a day mm-hmm. or two after but you kind of just you know kind of try to forgive it and take it as like a learning experience 
you know, because obviously learn from everything. It's just more experience, you know, in your past. So is that like your self-talk? Is that like what you will pretty much yeah. tell yourself to like, uh, cope it through was, it? It was fine. I had a good time and um, the mountain will always be there. So does that ever translate to your day to day life? Like um, how you cope with things like that and when things kinda, don't go yeah. your way? Yeah. If something doesn't go right, there's always, you know, another day or Mm-hmm. another day will always be better so yeah it's probably easier to deal with than not being able to summon them yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> definitely <laughs> so. so yeah so tried to summit Rainier another two times after that first time and mm-hmm. got denied both times and then come you know the first you know Rainier summit snowboard attempt and get denied on that I was you know super bummed like I was like okay I've failed to summit this like three times in a row some of them my first time like flawless and then these next three trips are just like you know super hard and mm-hmm. not not the time to summit it but so summited it finally uh going back the next weekend so two consecutive weekends in a row uh, me and my buddy lance summited it and uh i was literally crying at the top wow just, the overwhelming emotion of like you know finally making it oh, you have all that build up from those all attempts. that build up yeah it makes it you know that much better mm-hmm. that's like super makes it super meaningful so wow but but yeah this time we were there with our snowboards mm-hmm. and uh just getting to the top was a huge relief you know up there taking pictures and enjoying it and then you come to realize you're like Wait, I still have to like get down, but it's on the snowboard. Like, yeah. this is like the best day of my life. Oh, wow. You know, walk, walking down isn't too fun. You're mm-hmm. pouncing down on your knees, and you, you see, like, you could see, like, Camp Mirror, you know, from near the summit, and you could see the parking lot just barely. You mm-hmm. barely make it out. And the whole time walking down stuff, you're just like, wow, that is so far away. But <laughs> when you're on a snowboard or skis, you're like, okay, this is going to take like an hour to the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you get the run of your life down and you're just enjoying it and wow. you're snowboarding through crevasses and seracs and through them. Uh, yeah. Over them, through them. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Cause if they're not like too big, right? Yeah. No, just... I, I hopped a couple across a couple just for fun just and, for the, the thrill of it wow and like how so, how what level of risk is that is it like low risk um, for me yeah it's low risk i mean you're pretty safe on a snowboard kind of it makes sense because yeah it, it depends on you know, your skill level and stuff but the size of your foot is really small compared to the yeah. size of a snowboard or even a ski yeah right? so yeah no that's another thing uh you know split boarding up stuff you're mm-hmm. typically more safe on a slip board than walking up really crevasse fall wise wow. just because the area is you know spread across the whole dining room table instead of you know your little foot mm-hmm. so oh gosh I'm, that's dangerous now i'm gonna yeah. have to get uh alpine touring set right? up, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so now get to the summit join the ride down it's like you know the craziest line i've ever rode wow so you're weaving through you know bus size seracs and what's a serac it's just a big block of ice pretty much waiting to fall whoa so it's kind of crazy going through that stuff that'd be but, so cool but yeah no so the first the first you know quarter of the mountain you're going through crevasses seracs and then uh once you get to the top of this couloir, mm-hmm. 
um, the furry finger. It's like a perfect, you know, 35, 40 degree kind of channel you snowboard down. Whoa. And that was probably like the best run of my life through that. <laughs> really? So snow was perfect and you could, you know, I pretty much, you know, held it wide open and almost borderline out of control down it just because wow. I was enjoying it so much. Just in the and, moment. Uh, yeah. That's so beautiful. So you're flying down this calor and as soon as you know it, you're back at camp. Wow. Just looking back up like, wow, we just went down that, that fast and it was that fun and that enjoyable. <sighs> That's so exciting. But you said that there's, um, there's like a certain level of, of skill required uh, to be able to to board or ski down it. Like what what is that skill necessary? Is it just like not falling? Uh, yeah. So it's pretty much not falling because mm-hmm. you you fall and you get out of, out of control. You're you're falling into a crevasse or over a cliff or mm-hmm. who knows. Oh wow. So you know it's pretty much just don't fall. Like. <laughs> yeah. Like, not dogging him. My buddy Lance isn't the best snowboarder, but he can mm-hmm. hold his own. He's not going to fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I could I could rip pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I was out there having a blast, jumping crevasses. And, oh, wow. And then uh, some most skiers up there, they uh, use a trekking pole. It's called a whippet. Mm-hmm. So they have like a, it's like a little ice axe on top of your trekking pole. Oh, wow. So skiers will use those in like no fall zones just mm-hmm. in case they do take a fall. They have, you know, some sort of ice axe to self-arrest. Mm-hmm. But uh, snowboarding, you don't have, you know, ski poles. Mm-hmm. But uh, me and Lance, we just, you know, we'd hold an ice axe snowboarding down. That makes so sense. if we like, you know, the first thousand feet was solid ice. So if we were to, you know, take a fall, we'd have an ice axe to self-arrest with. Mm-hmm. Just since it's uncontrollable and pretty risky. And you just belly that. down into the snow and then yeah, pick the axe, yep. the axe in. Okay. But yeah, so uh, snowboard back down. To, we got from the summit to camp and it was like, it was like... 30 or 45 minutes wow that was even with you know stopping to catch your breath and just what's the pictures between and, walking down and uh, it, it's like down. probably three or four hours Whoa. From, from the summit of rainier to camp mirror usually that's wild so yeah you know you got yeah it's just crazy experience snowboarding stuff like that and it changes that that the downhill experience to something by the sounds of it where you're like ah i kind of got to go downhill sometimes it's cool to look at things but like now that you get to like snowboard down it there's a sense of excitement on that too it's yeah yeah from camp down to paradise your your pack is huge because you got you pick up your camp stuff and that's always pretty fun because you got like 40 pounds on your back and it's you know, obviously completely different snowboarding with 40 pounds and snowboarding with nothing at the resort. Wow, yeah. So that's always pretty fun. That is cool. So we, uh, as soon as you start kind of closing in towards paradise, you know, all the tourists are out hiking everywhere mm-hmm. and they're just like looking at you like, what the heck did this guy just do? Yeah. And we're just like flying by everyone with, you know, ice axes and rope and. Oh, wow. Little do they know, like, we just went off the summit yeah. and rode all that down within, you know, an hour. It's like a killer adventure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, snowboard from the summit to the parking lot. It was like 9,300 feet of snowboarding. Wow. And that is insane. An hour, hour 15. An hour. Yeah. That is so cool. So. 
Oh, do you that, have to carry like a beacon with you or anything? Yeah, like so that? we we had you know avalanche beacon, <laughs> shovel, probes, just because mm-hmm. it was you know it's kind of during that transition to springtime mm-hmm. where you know there's still fresh snow up there and it's just better to be safe and have that stuff, not mm-hmm. need it than not have it and need it. Do you have to like always assess avalanche danger? And um, yeah, so winter time, um, <clears throat> I don't actually have any you know actual avalanche certifications or mm-hmm. anything but i i have a fair amount of knowledge on you know assessing the snow you know seeing what slopes you should go up and go down and mm-hmm. i have a fair amount of you know knowledge on that stuff mm-hmm. but uh yeah winter time it's always beacon to shovel probe mm-hmm. you know you're constantly assessing snow conditions digging pits and deciding what slope to go up and what to go down mm-hmm. i'll have a an avalanche backpack that pretty much has a, a car airbag in it oh really so say worst case scenario you get we dig snow pits out you know as deep as we think we need to mm-hmm. to uh you know judge the layers of the snow how you know the fresh snow is bonded to the old snow and then you know you could dig down feet you know mm-hmm. into the winter to see you know all the different layers and how they react with everything whoa so you kind of dig a pit out and there's several ways to you know test the stability of all the snow uh-huh. so I, I don't have, you know, proper certifications yet or anything, but I could, you know, assess stuff pretty well. There's a lot of information online. Yeah. And, yeah. Just experience also and seeing, you know, actually how it bonds to what and what affects, you know, how the snow is. and That's fascinating. You're like an astute observer of snow conditions. Yeah. Yep. Wow. But yeah, this winter I'm, I'm going to take the, the area one. So I have, you know, certification and, you mm-hmm. know professional uh you know teaching on how to do all that stuff yeah that's really cool are you you ever looking to professionalize what you're doing or is that mainly a um is this mainly something you do on the weekends uh it's just a hobby something i do on the weekends for now but for now maybe in the long future (laughs) i i don't know i could see guiding or something yeah so i don't know it kind of kind of depends though so you know you do the same thing every day you might get tired of it or you might not have the motivation to do it you know outside of work yeah that's so that's where i I find myself going back and forth because like right i do a lot of things but so that makes it hard to where it's like i'm gonna take this thing and you know run with it but like between all the things that i do oh i want to spend more time doing them right and like what way in what way do i want to do that like Mm -hmm. do i like do i like in these things that i do do i like teaching people do i like creating entertainment around it whether it's like writing or like podcasting or Mm -hmm. you know something like that like looking at my personality and my likes and how to structure my life around my my passions and Mm -hmm. and hobbies i suppose yeah um to do those more often and like because that's i always go back and forth on like people like um when you turn the thing that you love into a job you're not gonna like it kind of right like i see the potential for that however it's just like i feel like maybe i'm being pompous and arrogant but i feel like it's an uncreative like way to look at it because like if if you perhaps like guiding would ruin the relationship that you would have with it because you're like oh it's got to be out there i gotta help these people who basically i'm gonna sherpa them up this shit right right like (laughs) well then there is some other way to approach it right that um would satisfy you more because like if you don't like 
to to teach people right right maybe you like to write or maybe you like to create art around it right. and, and yeah. stuff like that but maybe once again that's could be me being mm-hmm. pompous and arrogant because like yeah. it's plumbers hate me because <laughs> i'm just like nothing that against that but i just i for me in my own situation which i right. wouldn't project this onto other people too much yeah but i have in the past um it's like i just don't understand getting a job that would provide me <clears throat> the resources to do the thing, right? But still having to attend to that job and yeah. do the thing that I like less. I see. I would r- rather, for me, it's like, okay, how can I get rid of that job, right? And make this my just my life. Yeah, you yeah. know. I and see. I'm more identified to that, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just curious where you stand on that because you seem like you're becoming very entrenched in this. It, yeah, I'd say I'm, you know, pretty engulfs and the mm-hmm. uh, mountain climbing snowboarding stuff um i don't know kind of just depends i i'm not too sure on it mm-hmm. but if i could somehow be a professional snowboarder one day mm-hmm. uh, i'd love to do that i just don't know about the mountain side of things you know mm-hmm. i don't i don't see myself more more or less don't see myself guiding because I just don't know if I would want to do that, mm-hmm. you know, mountain climbing my free time outside of work. I don't know if I would get tired of it or not. Yeah. So even after, you know, a long weekend of climbing, you're, you know, you're burnt out and you're mm-hmm. tired and hungry and you're like, okay, I'm done with this. Yeah. But, but then, you know, a couple of days later, you want, want to come back for more. Mm-hmm. And there's another thing too, where it's like whether or not you want your own adventures or you want to lead. redo the same lead yeah. the same thing that you've been doing yeah and you know and like that level of familiarity like for right. me i'm finding out that like when it comes to running yeah if you're gonna give me if i have to do a 50 mile run mm-hmm. and i it's 25 mile it's a 25 mile loop yeah. it's a lot harder for me to do the second, the second loop one you've already done it before yeah, yeah exactly man yeah and like even the scenario like you're talking about it right here with the obviously guiding isn't always this it's that's a very professionalized and commercialized right. like yeah. route up the dc route but like having all those markers and that clear path and like very yeah, very like groomed and prepared I'm like, yeah yeah that, it, that's how i am even like i have some friends i'm gonna take up the dc route and i'm mm-hmm. just like kind of dreading going up it because like oh this is gonna be like quote unquote a walk in the park yeah just because it's you know so so there and like that's the thing that i think is cool about the exploration of it is is it's more of a question like this all-encompassing thing of like mountaineering and alpine touring yeah you call that um, uh this all-encompassing things has a lot of cool things that you might like but there perhaps is a hierarchy within there of what you like the most about it and what you like the least like right. for instance i had cody bradford on he does like tech tick yeah. tuesdays for rock climbing and stuff like that and like mm-hmm. his is not i don't want to put words in his mouth right, right? Yeah. <laughs> but he he much he his he really enjoys like the technical aspects of it and trying to find out how to do things efficiently and effectively in the mountain environment yeah so if that means returning to the same wall over and over again that doesn't that's not his highest priority that doesn't even cross his mind right as much as, as it's like me. i get to teach this person thing and people Te- things yeah i see and, yeah and, that, and for me it's like that's where i find with running is is i went to uh ross east bank of ross lake and it's like i was gonna do like 60 60 miles um for for a run and it's relatively flat like you only gain like a thousand feet over the 60 miles right and 
you're in a tree tunnel because you're you're following the lake the whole way. Yeah. And I see like two and a half miles in, I look and I see um, Ruby Ruby Mountain off in the yeah. distance. I'm like, there's not that much snow. I could get up there with avoiding snow patches pretty easily. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. I don't yeah. even want to do this. <laughs> like, this is just going to be grueling. And I want to go up there. So then I go and I run. I run up to Ruby Mountain. Yeah. And that was the moment where it's like, okay, I wouldn't just run for the sake of running. Right. There's like a component here that I was missing on the east bank of Ross Lake that I got from Ruby Mountain. And it's the same with like, if I run concrete, I only do it because I know it'll let me climb a mountain. Yeah. So like, once I found that out, it completely... um, it changed my goals and my motivations. Yeah. So when I started planning trips, I can plan it knowing like my niche within right. it. Right. It's yeah. like, I want something technical. I want to be able to top out on something. Yeah. And, um, and that's the most important thing to me. And mm-hmm. I think that's important as you go along. Cause it's like, it's not just like mountaineering and Alpine touring. There's a component of it that, that you'll love, you know, right. yeah. and that will direct you forward. But I think it's unique to you. Mm-hmm. And, the what I used to think was is like ah fuck your job like right. you, and you, you figure out how to fall in love with this thing and just do it all the time that's how it always should be is black and white and it's like no what what I think the tragedy is is like you really like something and then you somehow limit yourself mm-hmm. based out of like um, fear and judgment right and that further prevents you from leading that lifestyle that you like like. Mm-hmm. Um, I Mark was on the podcast, yeah. and that guy's so cool. I like yeah, his I lifestyle. One day. Yeah, yeah, and it's like that's what I want to be like. And but he did say something towards the end, which was like, I wish I did spend more time out in the mountains. And I'm yeah. like, ooh, because he did. He's a teacher, and he has all that right. free time to yeah. go in the mountains in the summer. And like, yeah. but I still hear that. I'm like, huh, that's interesting, and it feeds me. Mm-hmm. It kind of beginning I guess right. where it's like okay so maybe I should I should lean a little more into the things that I like I even listened to an attorney and he's um, he, he wrote a book called Hangdog mm-hmm. and he's uh, a rock climber based out of the Seattle area and I he see. was yeah. coming up with people who were pushing grades to like 514 mm-hmm. um, back in the day and it's like 513 yeah. and he got to climb with some of the people who are like really well known um like Alan Watts and stuff like that. And he would travel all over the West coast in his free time. And still though, he's like, I really wish I would have just spent more time pushing that grade and like doing that thing that I like instead right. of compromising <laughs> on it. And I'm like, shit, man, I think I got to like, look at this, you know, right. and it changes the way that I look at it. I don't, you know who Fred Becky is? Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't want to be Fred Becky, but I don't want to be the attorney. Right. Like I was, there's somewhere right in the middle. Cause Fred right Becky middle, was like yeah. sleeping in parks. Oh, and yeah. like, <laughs> I, I just watched his movie the other day actually. And yeah, that guy, you know, that's his life. Like, yeah. you know, day in, day out. Um, yeah. Fully, fully committed. Yeah, fully committed. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I'm somewhere on the spectrum, but maybe, I want to be a little closer to Fred Becky, but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy, that guy's crazy. Uh, the, crazy. The movie is super cool. A movie was awesome, yeah. especially like, I guess like a little bit of a spoiler alert. I wouldn't want to ruin it for anyone, but the part where he's like much, much older and he's getting towards the end of his life and yeah. he's trying to climb that mountain yeah. and he repeats it several times sad, and he's never yeah. able to send it and it's like, oh. It's kind of sad, yeah. It is really sad, it is man. It's really sad. Like, uh, and then the other part was is like 
I, this is like even more of it is like the social element because right. like he climbed with people but it never went further than that and yeah he didn't you know have lifelong friends it seemed like he was just you know climbing with people to climb with them and then that was it and that really informs me too because it's like it's that is like oh i gotta be careful of that because sometimes i can get so obsessive where it's like i'm doing strength and conditioning and i'm planning these trips and i, I spend time with my son right yeah but like friend wise yeah if we're not like in the outdoors we're not doing martial arts right. I'm not, i don't want to play board games uh, that's like, kind of i am like i i just you know <laughs> mountain climb snowboard on the weekends and i just mountain climb and snowboard with those friends and some of our other friends uh kind of become distant but mm-hmm. i i try to you know keep in touch with them and you know try to even it out i guess yes yeah, just so you're not too consumed and uh you know further distancing yourself from mm-hmm. people i guess yeah because there's there's that possibility yes yeah. to be consumed and that's the thing that i fred becky was a really good reminder of that mm-hmm. i suppose yep it's, yeah and so now that you've gotten these five volcanoes you've ski or sorry you snowboarded off these five volcanoes <laughs> yeah what um knowing that you did that what's I don't want to say what's next, but what are you motivated by now? Like, right? Yeah, no, that's a tough thing because uh, staying on top of Glacier Peak the other weekend, that was another one of like my lifelong goals that like oh, I achieved, you know, just like that somehow. Standing there, I was like, "Damn, this is like this is it." Like, what what do I do next? <laughs> and yeah, no, it is hard to find like motivation to, you know put yourself some, towards something you know bigger than yourself like the snowboarding off all the summits and snowboarding off rainier that those were like you know bigger than myself like i had you know go way outside my limits physically mentally for for you know a couple of these volcanoes or whatever and uh i think next it's to summit all the cascade volcanoes oh wait so, so what are those so there's a at least in our country there's kind of varies per list but there's like 14 major i think it's 14 or 16 major volcanoes might even be 12 or 13 just kind of varies per list a lot of volcanoes yeah so i just have a couple left in oregon actually because i've really i've done a, a couple of them further down there so wow but this this summer, I don't think I'll get to them. Next no. summer, springtime, I definitely will. Is that when it's in for you? Is like towards the end of winters to to early summer? Yeah, because I want to try to snowboard most of them yeah. just to you know get that double so double that, whammy. And that's is that because like that's the you want that to to be able to get that sense of accomplishment, or is that like very important to you is to have the element of snowboarding? Uh, I I just like enjoy snowboarding so much. It's like why don't I just like you know bring the tag this along yeah do this so that's interesting you were fine twice the enjoyment it's like before i was just mountain climbing to you know get the experience and you know mountain lets us climb and get the summit mm-hmm. and i you know completely enjoy you know everything about it you know the suffering the the good moments the bad moments the scary moments you know enjoy all that and then you add snowboarding in it's like off the off the chain yeah. yeah see it's something that i know going into it i i'm going to want to prepare for because 
like with running, my favorite part about running is, like I said before, before the podcast, downhill. Yeah. Like, yep. And especially when it's like technical, because right. like you have to really pay attention. Oh, yeah. You can't. Yep. Yeah. And I've tried trail running a couple of times and some <laughs> of the stuff I'm like, well, I'm like literally pushing my limits running down this because yeah. you're, you know, you got rocks and stumps and everything you trip on and yeah, I'll have friends. You're, you're totally you know, in the moment mm-hmm. during that stuff as to where running down a flat trail or something, you might just space out and kind of get in a zone. Yeah. You can even think about things and yeah. like really get in your head. But like yeah. with even, I have uh, ultra running friends and yeah. they, that's like what they mainly do. It's right. like 15 hours a week. Running yeah. And like, Nuts. I'm like at more like a 10 hours a week. <laughs> but when it comes down to the uphills, like, yeah, we're on those, like really love just running for the sake of running. Yeah. And I'm like 50% there. But when it's downhill and it becomes technical, usually apprehensive. All right. I got to walk this part. And I'm like, right. And then I just like run my ass off for yeah. the first time in the whole like trip. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where it's like, from what I've talked to people, right, um, mm-hmm. and I haven't met really anyone who does any like alpine touring, but um, just snowboarders and like that's yeah, right. it's exactly what the yeah. same thing. And I'm like, oh, you know, uh, yes, yeah, so I know this got ID like Mountain Jefferson, the Three Sisters, and Broken Top, and then uh, that's like all the the Cascade, you know, major volcanoes. Those are down in, in the Oregon? country, yeah, yeah, wow, all all in Oregon, so. Those ones, it's almost tougher to just drive down there every weekend and do them than it is to climb them, I feel like. It's, you know, six-plus hours to those, and then drive six-plus hours, climb all weekend, and then get back in the car Sunday evening, drive back six-plus hours. And go to work on Monday, and I go imagine. go to work Monday morning, early. Ooh, what time do you go to work in the morning? Uh, it's usually, like, you know, 5 to 7 a.m., so <laughs> get home at midnight. I'm like, okay, I still got to unpack my gear so it's not laying there all week and then uh get a couple hours of sleep like four hours of sleep yeah <laughs> oh yep. wow you know glacier wild. peak i uh i summited around noon mm-hmm. got back to my car at like it was like 8 p.m maybe mm-hmm. sat there for an hour kind of just taking it all in and just relaxing drinking eating food finally and then uh that's a what highway is that? That's up here. Oh, uh, highway here, um, 20? Or yeah, highway it, yeah. 20, yeah, I think so. 20. So that, that's all the way up here, and it's, wow. you know, two and a half, three hours from the trailhead <laughs> to my house. Oh, gosh. So then you get home at midnight, and then uh, the next morning I was actually going over to Idaho to work for a couple of weeks. So I had to pack, you know, pack for that couple weeks being gone wow so i get home and i get like literally no sleep mm-hmm. and then drive eight hours to idaho Dang. and then finally you know get some actual rest yeah i bet you just but not got we're knocked out yeah. man yeah i know it's all worth it though it, so. it, it is though. It's, it keeps me busy definitely mm-hmm. yeah, it's because you know one one way or the other like you'll have what would you rather look forward to just to like right, stay yeah. up for is like yep. but i don't want to be like that because like you know you probably do and every, yeah. everyone else does right and i i have my own you know versions of that but like what's would you rather do stay up to go and summit like these crazy mountains or like yeah at the bar yeah at the bar it, or something yeah yeah and something like, normal i guess you, mm-hmm. you could say and you have like such an epic story to come away from yeah it. like, i'm always telling my co-workers about my trip and i'm like oh yeah that's so awesome and Oh yeah, it snowed and I got hailed on and it was crazy and 
yeah, just have a good story to tell. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, cool. now I've been slowly trying to get into like photography, like taking good pictures instead Ooh. of just like a cell phone picture. Mm-hmm. So I bring like a camera with me and try to, you know, take pictures and not only take those just to like have them to, you know, look at and mm-hmm. remember the adventure, you know, capture the moment, but like I have like family members and they're all, you know, older age and they're like, Oh man, I wish I would have like did some of that when I was young and wow. they kinda just like, you know, live live through my pictures, I guess, mm-hmm. sometimes. Like carry so, through pictures. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see yeah. that too. That's cool. Is it so what's the level of enjoyment with photography? You really like well, it? I like it. I'm yeah. always like taking pictures. Oh, like per se when uh we were up on Rainier during that like sixty seven mile hour wind mm-hmm. uh, near the summit it was super cold because you know it's you know 15 20 degrees and then you add in 60 mile an hour winds and it's so it's already really cold and you add in you add in uh 60 mile an hour winds and you got like wind chill in the negative and i'm like stopping my partners to literally pull out my phone and, like take a picture <laughs> just because like it's i know it's, they don't think it's you know worth it in the moment because yeah. they're standing there freezing like wanting to move and keep going but i'm like mm-hmm. I, I need to take a picture this is cool yeah see there so, it is though right yeah like, yep. that's so cool but yeah, I'm always taking pictures. It's pretty fun to do. Yeah, and that, so, that's the thing that I find interesting. I'm not good at it or anything oh, at all, but but that's that's exactly where <laughs> it starts, though, yeah, right? That's where it starts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like snowboarding and hiking, you know, mm-hmm. you gotta start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So. And that's where it makes it, you know, unique uh, and like competitive in that sense. Is like you're not you're not unique in like the single pursuits that you do. Usually, you're unique right. in like the intersection of your pursuits, yeah. right? Yep. And yeah. So maybe photography, man. You get, maybe, get yeah. some killer shots out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I had a what's coming down from like Park View, uh Schreiber's Meadow on the south side yeah. of Baker. Yeah. And like I lost my keys up there. Oh man. And, yeah, and so I was waiting in the parking lot and I was running, so I had like a thick layer of sweat. I tried to dry myself off as much yeah. as I can, but it's starting to get cold. All right. This like this Indonesian guy, he uh is down at the trailhead and he's I let him know what happened he's like oh yeah i'll give you a ride back man and you know to my house which is like an hour from the trailhead on right. his way to seattle and <laughs> he get, i get in his car and he's like super nice guy we're driving the sun's yeah. starting to set as we get on the highway right and this this guy is driving and looking 180 degrees behind him at Mount Baker as the sun sets over it, and you hear it, the car goes swerving all over the place. And he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I just, I really like that scene. It's beautiful." And I'm like, my eyes are all bulging and like practically sweating. I'm like, "Yeah, man, it looks great. Can can you like just look forward a little bit?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry." I'm like, "Okay," but he's super passionate because he has right. a nice camera. He's, his favorite thing is photography. Yeah. Yep. And then he keeps driving, and then he's, like, looking back, same thing. And then <laughs> I'm all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, you know what? That is really cool, disregarding my life and everything. Yeah. And, like, I'm all into it. But <laughs> the way that that guy was, like, captured by the moment, yeah. man, it was yep. beautiful, you oh, know? Yeah. And uh, it's, that's what I enjoy about, like, you know, mountaineering and splitboarding, ski mountaineering. It's just, like being fully in the moment because mm-hmm. you, you know he, that's where you, I feel most alive and yeah it, 
it's a good feeling to you know have like you don't realize it then but you you kind of look back on it and you're like wow that was like that was amazing i can't believe i yeah. did that and can't believe we were doing that and going through that weather and that stuff and uh, whatnot it's for me as i've gotten into because it sounds a lot like my experience was like alpine climbing right yeah yep. once that happened like you know last year i really got into it and it's almost become like an obsession that's yeah. taken me like nothing else. And it's yeah. just like I'm looking at all these routes and then I'm also starting to look at like mountaineering right. and it's like, that's, oh. that's how I am during the work week. I'm, you know, not too typically, you know, fully in the moment working. <laughs> yeah. I'm usually always like, you know, working away and then I space out and I'm like thinking of like, Oh, what could I do this weekend with mm-hmm. this weather? And then on my breaks, I'm like looking up, routes and conditions and checking the weather 20 times a day yeah, yeah. 10 day weather forecast you know. for like every city yeah yeah <laughs> along the cascades yeah literally yeah but it's um yeah in terms of like a one to ten scale i think climbing's put me at an eight and i don't think i've had anything that's put me there yet right and yeah. it's yeah it, yep. it's it's fascinating and so much so like even my uh my climbing partner that i have right now i'm like because i don't I don't have a job right now because mm-hmm. it's the summer and yeah. I work for the school district. Yep. I'm like, so we're going to go like four days a week, right? Right. Like, no, I can only do two. And then I'm like, oh, I do everything I can to figure out how to expand it more. Right. Yeah. And it's it's such a beautiful place that we have out here, the Cascades. Oh, because yeah, it's like, amazing. It's, it's so rugged it, and there's... Yeah, there's so many peaks to climb and it's crazy to think, you know, two years ago before I was into hiking, like I had no idea that there was like mountains like this. And two years ago, I never would have thought I'd been, you know, stuck on the side of the mountain in a snowstorm or snowboarding off the top of something. But yeah, I'm blessed to live here. It's a great place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So close to everything. Exactly. I, I travel for work a lot. You go to like Idaho and Montana and I go there and I'm like, where's you guys mountains at? Like I'm always just looking and I know some, I try to climb, uh, like Idaho's tallest peak the other weekend, but, uh, they have like mountain ranges, but here it's Mm -hmm. just like you're in Seattle and there's just like Olympics here. And then, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's just within like really close access. And then there's, uh, when I was in North Idaho, it's, I like to hunt, right? Yeah. Yep. And I didn't start doing that until I moved to Washington. And um, when I moved to Washington, though, I didn't. I did some backpacking in Idaho, but I'm like, God, this is like suffering. Why would I suffer all this much for like nothing? <laughs> right. And like, because at the time I just didn't understand it. And now I love, you know, I love backpacking because my relationship with it's changed. But then. Um, when I moved over here, like mountains were a whole different concept. Yeah. Cause like the, the, you'd hit like six. Okay. I don't know this well enough. You'd hit anywhere between five to 6,000 foot peaks over in like North right. Idaho. Yeah. And like you start at the, like 2000 feet elevation, I think. So yeah. it's like, it's like a 4,000 foot at most difference. Yep. And the peaks are pretty rolling. It yeah. seems without much prominence, yep. but here, Jesus, it's like uh, you, skyscrapers jutting out of the ground. Yeah, you got skyscrapers, and they're they're big, long days if you do them in a day, if not a couple of days. And you know, for say, you know, Mount Rainier, you start at five thousand feet, but still, it's nine thousand plus feet of gain. And yeah, 
same thing with you know any of the peaks up here in the north cascades that you're starting at you know two thousand feet and they're all you know eight thousand plus feet mm-hmm. <laughs> big long days that's like when i did ruby it was 7600 feet top out or at the top i think maybe six sixty six or no yeah seven thousand two hundred feet mm-hmm. and i started at 1200 feet right and like to run the whole 17 miles of that was like yeah. it was insane right? and like the <laughs> the whole like vegetation changes and then the, the, just the fact alone that we have like what 90 percent of the glaciers in the lower 48 in the north cascades yeah like yeah. that's insane it's insane yeah I know, like, I, I was up on Mount Bora the other weekend, and I think the trailhead is at, like, 8,000 feet, and that's, like, a 12,000-foot, maybe 12,600-foot peak. Wow. So you're only getting, like, it's like a hike, you know, mm-hmm. in Washington, 4,000 feet. Yeah. And then on that, you're not going through any glaciers or anything mm-hmm. crazy. You're, like, literally starting out in trees, whereas to Washington, tree line stops at, you know, whatever it stops at, 6,000 feet or mm-hmm. so. And then you're walking on glaciers and rock climbing and yeah, crazy stuff. It's beautiful. And um, do you have anywhere where people can check out any of your stuff, Kevin? Um, Instagram and uh, I'm on Facebook a lot too. All right, on, on both of those, you know, constantly. So I'll be sure to leave a link to your Instagram in the yeah, show notes works. for everyone too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Yep. Well, thank you very much, Kevin. I appreciate thank it. You yep, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to check out some of Kevin's trips, you can find him on Instagram at Kevin Butts ninety six. And if you'd like to listen to some more episodes of the podcast, you can find us on anywhere that you get podcasts at Becoming Human, or check us out on the website becominghumanpodcast.com. Or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook as Becoming Human Podcast. Woo! After the Alpine season starts tapering off, I'm going to be on here a little bit more and probably do some trip reports as well if you guys are interested. Just let me know. Shoot me an email. Drop a li- or a comment on the podcast and let me know what you all think. But I'm stoked. Hope you guys are having a great summer. Cheers.